Hey, welcome to episode 178 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're interviewing Edward Payson, a Sega collector, but also the director of the upcoming film, Rarity, video game collecting in the modern era? Rarity, retro video game collecting in the modern era. I just missed one word. The movie premieres tomorrow, October 5th, at the TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Apparently, people who live there know what that is. I don't know what that is. Yes, Edward, you got a podcast spot, uh, and we're putting this up literally one day before the premiere. Uh, Welcome to our editing schedule. Uh, Tell your mom about the show, though. Give us five stars on iTunes, and let's go. clips onto the back of my phone with the magnet i always have a wallet case i have for like the last eight years because i hate having a wallet but this one i have to pull it off to get the cards out i've just got one of those like elastic bands that goes over all my cards oh my god what are you You are so gross it's as thin as you can get it's great no it isn't no it's thinner than also having a phone not carrying a phone you do you have to carry a wallet then yes I've... Tyler, Tyler, you are a Tyler, you are a maniac. Carry a fucking phone so we can text you. Like, why do you put me in this place where I've got to talk to you on Facebook? Something I hate. You know, Tyler, they have they have those phones for like you know where the the, the numbers are extra big. If that's what you feel like you need. No, no, I just don't have a phone. My pockets are free. <laughs> All I have is a wallet, and it's the thinnest possible wallet. And I keep no BS in it. I keep like two bills and like a couple cards. And that's it. I don't have anything weighing you? me down like a phone. How does 1980 call them once? How does, how does Ada back? tolerate that? I Ada's great. Ada has like a purse on her, so she's got like mints. She's got uh, ibuprofen and all that stuff. That and a phone, obviously. So if we're ever stranded somewhere, her purse is going to be the thing that gets. What us if out you're of the not situation. together? That's my. Oh God. I mean, if we're not together, you can't reach me. It's just not going to happen. Oh my God, that seems safe for your family. I mean, uh, a lot Tyler, of people- look. Tyler's family doesn't love him, so don't don't get it twisted. Even like the dog I saw a picture. No, did you see his mom posted a picture on Facebook, and she was like out with the family, and Tyler wasn't in that picture. Wow, just saying, they looked like they were on top of a building somewhere in New York, enjoying each other's company. Where was I Tyler? Think, oh, I think yeah. I'm Tyler's mom's favorite son. Like really, Johnny. I <laughs> I understand not wanting to use Facebook for messaging people. I'm there with you. I I'm totally down with ditching Facebook, but my refusal to use a phone over forever has meant I've built up such a network of people I only communicate with on Facebook, and it'll be hard to just switch away from Messenger at this point. No, it wouldn't, because they all have cell phones <laughs> in their fucking pockets. Hey, welcome back <laughs> to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny, Stefan, and Edward Payton. Nope, it's not. It's no, Edward God Payton. Damn you. God, Jesus. That was gonna be over. That was going to be the perfect lead-in. Oh, the perfect lead-in. Oh. I'm Tyler here with Johnny Stefan and Edward Payson. <laughs> As you might you know even... from the IMDb list of men with six letters in their first name and surname. I didn't know that's a thing. Uh, people with. I didn't even know that I had six and six, so. Perfect. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I'm also on your IMDb page. Uh, it was just your birthday, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Thank you. 
All right. So, Tyler, um, we're on the Collector's Quest podcast. You didn't even say that. <laughs> so that's cool. And we, we're, I'm, I'm this is the fastest word we're going to get into intro. it. Obviously, it's going to be way better, Johnny. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, Tyler, we never do. Like, we always get our intros right the first time. Guys, I am so happy to be back. Can I say? Uh, yeah, we've missed you, Stefan. So we're you. we've got like we've got more than a full crew here today. Um, so I, did Tyler give like a proper introduction? I was so horrified Absolutely by everything he was not. doing. I was hoping you would yeah. latch on to the fact I brought up IMDb to introduce our filmmaker guest, Edward here. Um, Johnny, Edward just go ahead. I'm going to try to shut up this episode because we have too many people to be interviewing one person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just i'm not gonna take the bait on that joke all right uh anyways we are here with edward hey edward hi thank you for joining us and the chaos that is always the start of this show appreciate it thank you so much man so um for people who don't know edward has just recently uh directed Candace whole film called rarity if you are on instagram and uh of the people who like follow Many of the people we follow, you've probably seen some trailers for it. But Edward, this is this is not your first rodeo. You you aren't just some rando who decided to make um, a movie about video games or video game collectors. Uh, you have a whole history. So if you could maybe just, without having to send our people to IMDb, could you just give us a rundown of who you are, how you started? You know that the fact that this is your real job, and uh, you know that you're a filmmaker out there for real, but also a collector. Definitely, yeah. So uh, I moved to California in 2007, and uh, I started making horror films and uh, commercials professionally. And from there, I kind of like, I want to say like seven or eight years ago, realized that there was something missing, and I didn't know what that was until I joined Instagram. You know, I, I resisted joining Instagram for so long, being the old man that I am and wanting to stay on Facebook. And uh, once I went there and saw all the amazing stuff from my childhood that other people had, I was like, well, I want that stuff too. Um, so I just started off with no rhyme or reason and started collecting things from my childhood. But then I kind of specifically focused on Sega Genesis and uh, decided I want to have the whole Sega Genesis collection. And of course, that morphs over time because as many of you who have... Um, you know, a lot of collections, you probably get bored collecting the same thing there and then in and then on again. So I also collect Ninja Turtles. I collect Power Rangers, He-Man. Uh, but overall, I would say I'm a Sega Genesis collector and uh, I'm going for the full set. So fast forward to 2018 and I made my first video game related movie uh, called Bits, which is about a haunted Sega Genesis game that kills you if you... Uh, don't beat the first level in the game. It basically makes you uh, kill everyone you've had contact with in the last 24 hours. So you get possessed by the game and then kill everybody. Um, and then with all the things that have been happening in the retro game world, some good, some people would say that they're bad. Um, I just saw something that was interesting that I, th that I think needed a, a window into because there's so much misinformation. There's so many people throwing around all kinds of information that's just 100% false or, or uh, purposely made to be false just to be something that is clickbaitable. Uh, so we made Rarity. And what is Rarity? Tell us, uh, I mean, we know it's like a video game documentary, but give us a rundown. Sure. So Rarity... 
the full title, Rarity, Retro Video Game Collecting in the Modern Era. We basically started off as a small documentary. First person we actually interviewed, you might know him. He goes by Stefan Reese. And, um, <laughs> and and we were going to have a really small documentary at first just with people in the Southern California area because um, it was in the middle of COVID-19, uh, something you guys Yeah, thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> just actually, kidding. I'll explain that later yeah, to people. Yeah, so the first day we were supposed to shoot with Johnny, but uh, he, he he was vetoed by his wife because of having a, a small child, and we weren't able to shoot that day, but we did shoot with Stefan the same day. Stefan, who famously has a small child. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no. Let me, let, let, like, let's not make Stefan look that bad. Uh, so my wife had just had a really rough run. My wife is an RN at a hospital in the area where the COVID numbers in uh, our area were worse than they were in LA County. And she had just had a mother delivered who the father had just died of COVID that night uh, oh. before the baby died. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know was, any of that. Yeah. There was like a lot going on. I, I told you like it was, I, I canceled on Edward, like literally at the last possible minute, I felt like such a shit heel doing it. But my wife was just like, everything was too much at that time. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hoist this on my wife and make her feel like at risk at all, especially after she just watched that happen. Um, you know, like I said, she's a nurse in uh, in an area, especially at that time when a lot of people were dying and I don't care how you feel about the, uh, COVID in general, like that's just the reality of what was going on in the hospital. So she was, this isn't like some weird political stance as she just, Uh, it was just, it's a hard job sometimes to, to watch people uh, die or to watch a, uh, you know, a baby uh, be stillborn. So she was having a rough time and she just said, I don't want, I don't want to do this right now. And uh, I respect my wife's wishes because uh, we're a team. Well, not only that, right. But you have risk factors too, right? So, I mean, that, that, oh, that yeah, that's yeah, got to be incredibly I'm, difficult for her. Like obviously well, difficult yeah. for you, but also difficult for her having gone through that. Also having a spouse that is high risk, right? Like, right. Yeah, no, it was just, it was just a scary moment and uh, like inopportune. And I, Edward, I, I, I told you, I, I, how bad I felt and like really did. Oh, was, no, I, I, I totally was not throwing any kind of shade or anything like that. I just, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We was just trying to give him the, the, the backup behind him. So, we, so the people that we had that we were going to, uh, interview for the documentary, it was Johnny, it was Stefan, it was, uh, Riff from the Pixel Game Squad, and it was Super Retro Girl. Uh, and those were the only people at first that we were going to interview and kind of what happened is, um, after we interviewed each person and they made it known to other people that we interviewed them, we ended up getting a whole bunch of solicitation as far as, um, people who wanted to be in the documentary. And that is, you know, sometimes just friends that were nearby that, that heard about it. Um, but then also we got, you know, message from people that were across the country and sometimes across the world to be in the documentary. Um, so it kind of snowballed into this giant thing where it was a 20 person cast and we're traveling all over the country and, uh, interviewing people from all over the world and looking at rare video games. Uh, a lot of times one of a kind items, um, looking at giant collections, looking at high ticket items, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and hopefully keeping it entertaining in the in the meantime, not just people being like, here's my collection. So let me ask you, what what is the focus? So is the focus on the on the people or is the focus on 
the things they collect? Is it a collaboration of that? Like, how did, uh, you know, as the director, like, what, what were you aiming for? So for this documentary, uh, we did something a little different than I typically do. Typically, I know exactly kind of the angle I'm going to take. With this, we asked way more questions than what were needed, uh, purposely just to let the documentary kind of form itself. Um, the way I can describe it is like, as opposed to sh- shooting like a regular movie, a documentary differs because if we, if you look at it as if you're like a, um, like a statue builder, like typically, like if you were to build a statue, you would start with, you know, the, the bottom and then you'd work your way to the top, you know, to the knees or whatever, to the, to the torso until you eventually got to the head. That would be like for a regular movie for a documentary. It's kind of like, here's a thing of clay. Now whittle it away until there's something that resembles, you know, a a person on the inside or something like that. So very much so we just shot as much as we could. And the documentary formed itself when I went to the editing process with the, uh, 28 plus terabytes worth of footage, um, and kind of took people's responses to questions and, and molded them together and, and, looked at the different things that people had to say and the different ways that people collected. Uh, so to answer your question, we didn't take a person first or a game first or a, a collection first attitude. We kind of um, set it up in chapters and sometimes it's about the whole collection. Sometimes it's about one specific game and a bunch of people talking about it. Sometimes it's about uh, a console. Sometimes it's about uh, a story. So th- there's a whole bunch of different chapters that c- kind of keep you guessing as to what's going to happen next. When awesome. you, just out of curiosity, when you like finished the cut and like stepped back and looked at it, like were you, were you surprised at all as to like what you ended up with? Or like was like, was your vision kind of like, re- were there any surprises for you like at the end going like, oh, this is not, this is not the film I set out to make or like I, or like this is, this went in a different direction than I was, than I was uh, guessing it would. Uh, well, I've had, I've had the luck of with, cause this is my third documentary and I've had the luck with each documentary where pretty much anything we needed to happen or wished happened ends up just happening. It's just like, maybe I'm a lucky person, but um, basically like, you know, all three of my documentaries, we were just at the end point being like, where is this going to end? What can happen? And then like within like a week, the thing that needed to happen happened. So looking at this, uh, it's kind of funny because I called it like the Payson cut in reference to like the Snyder cut, because it was so long. Uh, I was sitting with a two hour and 13 minute documentary and I was like, I don't want to cut anything. Um, now it's been cut down to an hour and 40 minutes and that's with credits. So there was some things that, that, that are in there that I wanted to keep in there, but uh, just didn't kind of go with the rest of the movie. So unfortunately we had to cut them out. Um, some people's collections, they just, everything they showed us was incredible and we couldn't make like, you know, 30 minutes of the documentary just devoted to them. So um, it just makes us, you know, want to do a part two even more. So especially if, if it's well received, would you do like a part two with the footage that you have or would you um, like, are you looking to just, will you get that uh, kind of the cutting room floor footage like out to the people somehow? Yeah, that's kind of what the plan was. The plan was if we don't use it in this one and it's interesting, find a way to fit it into the second one. And the second one wouldn't be just the same interviews cut up. It would be uh, the same interviews plus 
more interviews with different people. Like we've already talked to people like Retro Rick and a few other people. Um, and I think we're going to actually travel out to pretty much all the people that we interview uh, if we can. Um, it's going to be a lot more expensive this time around. I didn't mention that during the uh, introduction to the film, but COVID made things very, very easy to travel. We were getting like round trip tickets to Florida and to Chicago and to New Hampshire and all these places for like seventy dollars. <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah. So it made it very easy to travel. And I should say too, the cast I'm sorry, the crew of this is just um myself and three other people. So it was just two of us shooting the movie and then um my wife actually put a lot of money into it as well as me uh as as a producer and then we just have the person doing graphics and then um and then the, my uh director of photography and that's it. So the four of us in total made this movie. And how long would you say you spent working on the movie? Like, how long did this take you? Well, the first interview we shot, I want to say August of 2020. So a little bit over a year at this point. Nice. And um, so, I mean, you don't need to tell us the exact money. Like, I don't know if uh, on films people don't care about talking about money because in every other thing I always see how expensive it was. Was it very expensive to do? I know you got some stuff on the cheap, but... Overall, is this an expensive process to make a documentary as someone who has no idea? Yeah, um, I would say documentary, depending on the, the subject matter, the documentary is um, cheaper to make than a, a film, uh, you know, a general film, like a, a narrative or something like that, because pretty much everybody that you're shooting already has like a location. You're not creating locations. You're not, um, you know needing giant camera crews or anything like that to make, you know, weather or to make things happen. Um, I want to say, I mean, for this, we, I probably spent out of pocket at least like 10 to 15,000. Okay. And um, how does that compare to like, you've made some horror films, like how, like, and you know, not huge budget ones, but like what, what is the cost difference there? Like when you make a, a narrative film. So my last movie bits before this movie was a million dollars. Okay. That's a pretty wow. big cost difference, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. It's great, because Stefan has, uh, he, he spends all this time getting just the right shelves and lighting and everything for his game room, and that's all free. He already did that all for you. It sounds it sounds wonderful. Just keep making documentaries. And the cool thing, the cool thing about that was actually, um, we started the documentary at Stefan's house, and then we ended the documentary at Stefan's house, Um and his collection had changed so much by then, it was almost like we were shooting two different collections. Uh, we just needed some extra footage of some certain paintings and stuff that he had, but then we were able to pretty much get like a whole new collection. So that yeah, was pretty I had just, cool. I had just started like really going down the, the rabbit hole with Art of Nintendo Power when uh, Edward was there the first time. And so uh, that and like... You know that the whole gamer renovation that I had done, where I like sold six thousand games, and like the, the the just just the the content of the room had shifted so much, and then uh, and then of course all of the art that I didn't have previously. Uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely you've definitely got essentially two game rooms for one. So yeah, I was I was looking for a a spot to put in a joke of why did you interview Stefan? He doesn't collect video games, but obviously you interviewed him uh, back when he still cared about video games. But you have been to uh, a lot of these people's houses. You, you've probably seen a lot of different collectors from crazy people like Stefan who won't touch anything unless it's one of a kind 
to the super collectors out there buying everything like Johnny, specialists like Dennis Khan just going everything Nintendo. And then you've got like the Pixel Game Squad guys who are mostly going out deal hunting, just trying to get good deals on, on stuff they want. Who is having the most fun out of any of us? <laughs> Follow-up question <laughs> is, are any of us content with what we have? Uh, I don't think anybody's content with what they have. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's content with what they have. If I had to pick someone in the documentary that's content with what they have, it was probably John Riggs. He didn't really care about the, you know, the quantity or quality. He just wanted to uh, have fun making his videos. He didn't care how many people watched them. He just wanted to make them for himself. Uh, I think he got rid of most of his collection and has no plans to get more of a collection. Um but is knowledgeable about about video games, obviously, and um, yeah, we, we we interviewed some really you know strange collectors, some cool collectors. Um, so we have a guy in Holland who only collects consoles, doesn't even collect games, just collects consoles. Um, and he has like the Queen's Golden Wii that was made for the Queen of England in two thousand nine. Uh, yeah, and, we're familiar uh, with that Golden Wii here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's yeah, he's got that. He's got like six or seven other. Um, one of a kind consoles and then a bunch that are under a hundred made under 50 made under 20 made under five made. So, um, but yeah, only consoles doesn't play the games. Just, just, I think he said he only has like 30 games in total. Wild. But so yeah. who's having the most fun though? Wh- which way is the correct way to collect? I mean, that guy sounds great. Also sounds <laughs> really hard to collect consoles. Cause there's so many like one offs and five offs and it's ridiculous, but who's having the most fun. Should I give up on trying to collect everything? Yes. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the overall theme of the documentary is that there's no right or wrong way to collect. Uh, even though everybody thinks there's a right or wrong way to collect. Um, and, and people are in it for different reasons. I think some people, Especially the money. people that have like, oh, sorry. yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, some people are definitely in it for money, but also, uh, you know, some people are so busy that it's enough just to be able to look at the game on the shelf as opposed to, you know, playing it and things like that. Like some people just don't have the time, honestly don't have the time to play the games. I don't know and any about that. That, that sounds weird. We to play me. all our games here on the collector's <laughs> quest podcast. Always so playing games. <laughs> we have one review that says these guys are always working <laughs> has criticism against us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah um it, it was definitely definitely like mind-blowing to see some of these collections um the most fun i mean the person who was smiling the longest time when we were there was definitely dennis khan uh we saw his collection in chicago and it was he was smiling making jokes the whole time so that was that was fun um careful he's an evil overlord now that's right head of the yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think he has a sense of humor about that too, which is which is <laughs> I feel like if the people I feel like if the people actually like uh, you know I guess I don't need to get into it, but I was just going to say like if people knew like how much of a grain of salt he was taking all of that with, um, they would probably respect him for it. Yeah, I like we're not we're not here to pump up Dennis or get, go down that road, but like uh when I cuz I know Dennis and like when I tell people that Dennis loves this stuff. Like Dennis loves this stuff has since he was a child. Like there's not very many people who were in as like a preteen starting to collect games and like trying to hang out with adults on forums. Like he wasn't doing that. Cause he was like, aha, one day I'm going to make so much money. Ha ha. You know, rubbing his hands together. Like, dude loves it. So, uh, whatever yeah. the, whatever some real criticisms you may have, uh, never doubt that he loves it. 
forever and ever. We definitely have footage of him as a child in the documentary as well, collecting games, which is kind of cool. Um, Cause that was, that was like one five the, years ago. That's, that's why. You think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's only like 20, 26 or something like that. So maybe a little so, older now, but so who, uh, so I mean, Dennis has a pretty sweet collection, but who, who was the best like collection from your point of view? Um, like what was the best collection you saw? Because you're a Genesis guy. So maybe you don't love Dennis's like rows of the same game boy games and Nintendo games. Like what, what did you saw where you were like, damn, that's, that's the best. Uh, yeah. So there's someone in the documentary from Sweden. Her name is, uh, Heidi. Stop. Oh, stop Heidi is whispering. Great. Yeah. Her Heidi is great. Room. So good. Her uh, incredible, incredible. And, and, uh, she kind of blindsided me because, um, you know, for the, for the documentary, I kind of said like, grab some rare games that you have that you don't, you know, you want to talk about. And the only thing she wanted to talk about was porno games. Oh, awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, Heidi is, Heidi is great. Like she's one of the few people who have been interviewed on this show. And then, uh, after the interview with her, we sat around and we talked for like three more hours. Heidi is, uh, she's fun. She's she great. also, she just had a baby and stuff. Not so long. I guess her baby's older now, but, um, that was like happening during the podcast and her collection is amazing. If you guys have not gone out and see, I, I can't wait for people to see that in your video because there's very few rooms that are set up in such a way. Like mine set up like a library. Stefan's is set up. Like you're walking into do a blockbuster, but hers is set up in such a way that just says, Hey, you're here to sit down and play these games. Uh, which is exactly like really wild that she created that aesthetic. Uh, sorry, just to clarify from context clues, Heidi is retro gaming on, Instagram? No, no. Yes. Stop X whispering. Stop X whispering. No, 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 no. On, on, on Instagram, she's retro gaming, but she she goes oh, by she? Stop yeah. X whispering and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. Uh, retro, retro underscore gaming. She, she is the queen wearing. of having oh. the most generic retro gaming Instagram handle of any of you guys. She's been around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, she must have been, right? Like, that's one of those names where you're like, how long have you been doing this? Right. That you've got that, <laughs> that, you've yeah. got that handle. Yeah, that, and that's kind of what she said. She's like, uh, I started collecting these these um, erotic games because I have everything else. <laughs> um, that's, that's so, hilarious. did she talk yeah, about Tetris um, at all to you? Tetris, no, no. She talked about uh, Bubble Bath Babes, which she believes is a better version of Tetris. Oh, awesome! Um, <laughs> Heidi, you're gonna have to come uh, yeah, on the show and defend that position again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she you can see her defended on the on the documentary in the documentary, um, oh. but <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was amazing because um, she was pointed out to us by J Bam, who you guys know, Jason Bamondi. And weirdly enough, like I knew Jason. Jason was the reason I actually met Stefan because uh, actually Jason introduced me to you first, Johnny, for for bits. Um, we had talked oh, about possibly using yeah, your... yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. That's right. It yeah. was supposed to be your room, and then and then you had to bail for whatever reason, and then I ended yeah, up oh, picking it oh, up. Oh, cool! I bailed on you twice. That's uh, man, my track record <laughs> is fucking awesome. Jesus Christ, what an asshole I am! I yeah, am Johnny, sorry. you're but not going to be in the more third importantly. Movie, just, just I picked clear. up your slack <laughs> twice. That's that's the important takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's always what you've done, Stefan. You've always you've always been there to hold my slack. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, inside insider gamers will know uh, because uh, when you when you watch the documentary, um, you think that you only see 
Stefan's game room twice, but you actually see it three times because at the beginning of Bits, there's uh, in the beginning of um, the movie, there's footage from my film Bits where you actually see Stefan's game room, but somebody else is acting as if it's their game room for my movie. Oh, which, which also in that in those shots, it would be like a basically a third presentation of the room because it also exactly. looks nothing like it did back then. Because that when you were shooting for bits, like we, I had crammed. There was there was very little editing uh, on my part as to what went into the game room at that time, so it was just packed. That's um, when you were a garbage man. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's when I would literally buy anything. Um, and then, uh, so when you came back, Edward, it was definitely a more curated collection. And then the third time you came, it was even more curated. So that room looks drastically different every time you've been in it. Yeah. The only people that will know that it'll be an Easter egg for people that listen to this podcast and, and then Stefan will know that it's his collection as well. But, uh, yeah, three times you see his Stefan's collection and three times it's a different collection in the film. <laughs> nice. Okay, so uh, aside from Heidi, what were some other ones that you saw that were, I mean, you, you saw a bunch of great collections, but what, and you talked about the console collector. Give us one more that was like, a, that kind of stopped you and you're like, wow, this is not what I expected. <laughs> so, uh, well, this is a little different, but, but basically, um, you know, the YouTubers all had their own footage that we were able to use in the documentary, but the, we interviewed a lot of people that weren't YouTubers, obviously, so we couldn't just have the whole documentary be talking heads. So we had to do some uh, reenactments and my favorite reenactment to do is uh, Jason, who I just mentioned. Um, I know we went off a little bit of a tangent about the movie, but uh, Jason told us a story about this really sketchy deal. And then we had to reenact that sketchy deal. And the sketchy deal uh, is about this girl who met him at like an art event and saw that he had, video games um specifically mario video games tattooed all over his leg and asked if he was a collector and was like oh uh, we have all this stuff that we're selling for a good price uh at my place like i'd love to show you it or whatever uh and at that point i guess he was out with his father and they were five hours away from new jersey where he lives uh, wherever his father lives and then had to drive with this person because he didn't have his own car left his dad at the event and went to this um this lady's you know, seemingly house, but he showed up, uh, he found himself in the middle of the woods in a trailer park. (laughs) And as he entered the location, it was very clear that this lady had a husband and he was there and they all wanted to have sex with him. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) excellent, but, but he looked on the ground. The first time we're hearing the story. (laughs) Well, it'll be in the documentary with 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 very a very funny person doing a cameo as the sex craze boyfriend. Uh, he also talked about how there's lots of drugs uh, all over the place when he gets there. But then, as he looks on the ground, there's like old tools and like work boots and stuff. And then there's just huge stacks of Nintendo games in every corner of this trailer on the ground, uh, and all the refuse and stuff next to like tools and all this crap on the ground. Um, so he talks about how he got roughly twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth of Nintendo games for two grand and got out of there without being penetrated or having to penetrate. Uh, I don't. As you know, the story I know, goes, I know Jason. I don't know if I believe that. 
I want to hear. Right. I want to get a few drinks in them and see if that's the same story. I got this great deal, and they didn't have sex with me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Doesn't sound like yeah. you got a great deal. <laughs> Those are the situations you got to put yourself in to find a stadium events these days, because you know you're not going to get one off eBay. So you got to really put yourself out there, as your mom would say. I mean, is that a worse deal? Like, is if sex is part of the offer, does does that make it a worse offer? Tyler, I mean, go ahead, answer you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh no johnny i'm in um okay i'm awesome. in for the the trailer park threesome okay johnny johnny anytime anytime someone mentions like a shady game deal i always think about the time you and i almost got shot in lancaster oh <laughs> yeah that's a story for another time anyway so uh uh that's you guys you did a reenactment of that yeah, so we had a lot of stories like that where we had to do reenactments. We had one story. I don't want to give the whole movie away, but we had like yeah. uh, weird stories about like just games showing up where they weren't supposed to and nobody knowing where they came from. Um, yeah, uh, everything from like weird and funny stories to scary stories to just like what the heck is going on stories uh, to j- amazing deals that people got. Um, so we have a segment, yeah, where it's just about like stories and, and, and uh we had to get all this footage that the YouTubers couldn't give us because they weren't YouTubers. Um, we had to show something. So we did all these reenactments and that kind of thing. So yeah. <laughs> funny. Uh, so at any point, since you talked to all the big YouTubers and stuff who are clearly part of the Illuminati, uh, what animals did you sacrifice and uh, what other ritualistic behaviors did you have to engage in? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm none, obviously. none yet. But I'm willing to. I'm willing to. If I can be, you know, inducted into the Illuminati, you tell me what animal I have to sacrifice. I mean, I have five, five. Cats uh, here, I can't. So. I can't confirm which animal you would need to sacrifice. Okay. Dog. Whoa! Don't do not sacrifice <laughs> <Whoa>. my dog. <laughs> it would bring more love to my household if you did, though. Um, <laughs> if you want to increase the movie's budget by a million dollars, you could just buy one video game, and I think you get a ticket to the Illuminati if you spend a million dollars in a video game. That's I, I think that's true. Or I'd say I'd say once you spend like five figures on a game, you're inducted into the Illuminati. That's 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 a, the, I think the entry bar is is not not quite that high. I mean, you can look. You can do it easier than that. You can buy like a three figure game, get it graded, and then sell it for five figures, and then you'll be in as well. I mean, there's there's a pathway, uh, Edward. If you really want to get in there, there's there's some what? inroads. Tyler will tell you how because he's friends with them. Step one: <laughs> download Clubhouse. I know, oh, I Johnny. Cl- I, I know people I've who used have sold five figure but... games who are not in the Illuminati. Believe okay. it or not. So, so did you just, just being a seller? Like, if you're an old time collector who has just sold like stuff that has gone up ridiculous, you, you don't get a ticket to the Illuminati, hmm. and they've complained huh. about it too. Are they ageist? They, what, I, we, we I don't, don't know. Look, we're we're way off topic on the Illuminati. <laughs> okay, let's let's bring it back to Edward. Okay, sorry, Edward. Um, Tower, Stefan, any any piercing questions you got? Any I've got. Yeah, I have a question. The oh, piercing question. Get out of here. Uh, as someone who has been to dozens of game collections, uh, Edward, when you look at complete in box N sixty four games, which color should face out? Oh come on. We all know the answer is gold. I I, I don't know uh, because I'm colorblind, actually. Oh, okay, I was well, gonna give you shit, but if you have an actual way to make reason, him feel I bad, guess. Tyler. 
Wow, you found the one thing to make it awkward, Tyler. Congratulations with while wow. using your superpower. You just randomly guessed someone's disability. Awesome. But also, all right, so, all right, all right. Um, the only the only N sixty four collector that we went to was Dennis, and he has so much room where his collection is that he doesn't have to have any game sideways. They're all flat out facing out. Oh my, what an asshole. That's yeah, just how, like bragging how, about how much room you have when you do that. Uh, the last the gamer new? does that and he has like tens of thousands of games. Okay, but yeah, that dude has like an airplane hanger. But like, uh, honestly, that's actually a legitimate question cause having never been in, in Dennis's game room. How big is that room? Um, It's the size of probably like three normal people's houses. Holy shit. Oh. Really? There's, there's seven rooms. It's not one room. It's seven rooms. Oh, wow. It, to me, yeah. it just looks like a basement with like a dividing wall in it. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I feel like big. we only see the same shots over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we do a walkthrough, a, a little walkthrough of the documentary, but there's definitely parts in his uh, in his collection room where you can get into full sprints without Jesus. hitting a wall. I, I think that's the power move for 2021 moving forward is just having enough room to turn your games out sideways just like Let's make face that a front. Trend. It, it, it could be just part like, of like a, a get rid of your chaff trend like if you yeah. can't turn the games forward then you have you too, have too many, many games so get rid so of that i like that i like that a lot actually if, if yeah, i had to just, go by measurement if i had to go by measurement he probably has a master bedroom sized uh room that is just dedicated to like playstation games uh, both stand-ups uh, as well as like arcades and stuff like that. He probably has like two den-sized rooms, one for Xbox and another just for like controllers that are in box up to the ceiling. Um, he has a living room-sized room just with Game Boy and N64. Um, another living room-sized room with... GameCube and stand-ups there and N64. Um, he has a like this, this long, long, long hallway that has every single Nintendo game, mostly all boxed. And um, a lot of them... Oh, I should say like many, many. I would say like 80% of the games are sealed. Um, that, wow. Johnny, we got to get out yeah. of California, man. I know. This is... This is the worst. <laughs> I mean, says you, you at least had a master bedroom size room. I'm like trying to do it in a closet in my office. <laughs> and then and I have like, kinda, that's and compared to other there. people. Yeah. Like, and, and that's me saying that is kind of like shitty because I have like a pretty good amount of space. Like uh, other people have it much worse. Like think about trying to do this in New York. Yeah. Mm. I, I thought Dennis was more of a Nintendo specialist. It sounds like he is a super collector, as you might say, who he has just, he just doesn't show it off. everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess he's always showing off his this, the stuff he thinks is coolest is probably Nintendo stuff. He made a point to tell me he has no Sega stuff except for that one Sonic stand up that he has. Oh, Dennis is an <laughs> asshole. Forget Dennis. Then. All right. So you, you, how bad did that hurt your feelings, though? Because I know how much you love <laughs> Sega. Like, did were how personally offended were you? Did you punch him or? Honestly, I had a different. I had a different um, thought. I was just like, "Well, if he doesn't like Sega, he's going to get rid of this stand at some point, and I want to be the person to get oh. it." Nice, nice, yeah. Be Kill him with kindness, Edward. Yeah. Kill him yeah. with kindness. I like that. Good tech. I would have walked in there and been like, "Wow, Dennis, with your collection and my collection combined, we would have a great collection." <laughs> <laughs> so, 
He, uh, you've been to all. So, I, I didn't realize Dennis had such variety and still hates Sega. But you've been to all these super collector houses, uh, guys who collect everything. Like you might say, Johnny Ayuchi, who just has too many video games, complete in box sets of everything, doesn't put limits on anything. But uh, I'll I'll bring someone up in the documentary, John Hancock. And uh, yeah. there's guys on mm. Instagram like like Mesmeron, Milwaukee Retro Gamer, VG Collectaholic. I'm sure you've seen a lot of them. Uh, there's a criticism of people like this that basically all their collections are the same because when you have everything, what is there to differentiate you? But as someone who has been to a lot of these people's collections, uh, what does differentiate them, if anything? Are we all just stupid for collecting like this? That's a good question. No, no. I mean, there's a di- a lot of different varieties. So when we went to Dennis's house, um, we couldn't get the whole thing because we weren't anticipating. Like you said, like I had seen videos beforehand and pictures of his collection. I had no idea how much stuff was there. So we were like literally racing to the airport. We were supposed to call an Uber, but Dennis was nice enough to actually um, let us be there a little bit longer so we didn't have to wait for the Uber and he could just drive us to the airport. But we still weren't able to get all the stuff we wanted to get. And we were there for like an eight hour day. Um, so his, you know, most, most people I would say have a collection like that, who, who we interviewed, they have like a sprawling collection. The one collection that was really strange was, um, and I know this guy gets a lot of criticism. I don't know. I don't know why I think it's mostly jealousy, but, um, Eric from VVG club. So we can tell you why. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, I know. I know. I know. I know the whole controversy (laughs) and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, he's, he's a, huge collector of many things and has been for like 25 30 years um a lot of the baseball cards and stuff that he has he's had since he was a kid um but like at one point at one point in the documentary he's he's scrolling through baseball cards and it's only six baseball cards but it's worth like eight million dollars uh you know you couldn't show me Eight million dollars that I would be less interested than in than just showing me baseball cards. That wow! <laughs> I oh, I, I know, I know most, uh, I know most baseball, baseball and video games don't really cross that often. Um, well, th- I mean, sports card collectors are are maniacs. That the dollars they put on things are just insane. So it's that's not. But these are actual like ra- like of him. Yeah, I think like even even me not being a huge baseball guy, just with the top card being Babe Ruth and then the one under it being Ty Cobb. Um yeah, and, and and you know, people like that like it's crazy. He has like TMZ articles about him and stuff about everything from video games to sports cards. But um seeing his collection. So something we didn't know before the documentary is so in Florida and and most places actually because one of the things a documentary we talk about is how video games are just being considered art really in the U S. And what I mean by that is like for the longest time, um, video games weren't seen, you know, as like art that's like on par with like a painting or, um, something like that, you know, where a painting every week goes for like millions of dollars and no one bats an eye. Whereas like video games is actually like, the lowest at the lowest low end of all collectibles as far as like our, our high sales. Um, so they're finally being considered art. And the way that you can see that is in, in, in like a just American culture is when it comes to uh, Eric's video game collection, the banks wouldn't insure 
his uh, video games for the same as they would for like the sports cards or the paintings or anything like that. They actually had a hundred thousand dollar cap because there's not enough people to tell you that a video game is worth this amount of money and uh, th- that a painting is or whatever. So we had to give him two weeks notice before we got out there just so he could go around to like 25 different bank vaults throughout uh, the Southern Florida area and get two games out here, five games out here, four games out here. And then we had to get an undisclosed location and go see all the games for the first time have ever been in, the, in this it's, uh, one place and do the interview there at this undisclosed location, which ended up being like a glass room inside of a, um, uh, a call center because that was where he could rent. And it was very like nondescript. And like, we got the address in the morning of and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that was very, very interesting just to show up and the way it was set up too, it was set up in like the room itself had 20 foot shelves and there were video games all the way up to the top of the 20 foot shelf. So probably not the best setup in hindsight, especially because we had our travel filmography gear. We didn't even have like our typical like gear that we could bring. We had like the base bare bones, basic stuff that we could take on the flight and stuff. So we really were only able to see the first two shelves of this 20 foot shelf, um, except for in like a wide shot from the ground facing up. So it was definitely, it was like we walked in there and then he told us how much it's worth, which has like tripled or, or quadrupled since we shot his scene, by the way. Um, yeah, it was, it was just like the first time I was like, oh my God, like I'm around so much money right now. Did a lot of other people, when you walked into their collection, they're like, this is my collection. It's worth $300,000. That I'm sorry. Bad question. Yeah. Well, I just Bad. know. I just know. <laughs> I just know mine. I just know mine. I've been collecting for like six years. It's just Genesis stuff, and according to the app that I use, mine's worth like twenty four thousand. So to see one game, uh, you know, that's valued at like at the time was valued at like two hundred fifty thousand. Now is valued at like two million. It's like, huh? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in the wrong you- business. Yeah, so it has to be pretty jarring, right? Like, your expectation is that you're going to be, like, splunking around in people's basements and stuff, and then all of a sudden you're in some weird call center with giant glass shelves that are 20 feet high full of, like, the world's most expensive games. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the funny thing is, is, like, the work work day wasn't even stopped. They were still making calls outside the glass, and we actually had (laughs) to, like, get them to, like, settle down and, like, put some stuff up to try and block the sound out. That that that's going to be the weirdest story about visiting a game collection I've ever heard. I think <laughs> that's weirder than the sex trailer park thing. Like that, the sex trailer park totally expected. This is weird. Like I'm like, yeah, sex trailer park. That makes sense. Like I, I've been in some shady deals. Uh, weird call room center and like driving around to get games out of like different, uh, you know, vaults. That's weird. That's weird to me. That is weird. Yeah, also had to yeah, I'm uh, gonna be judgmental. Let the insurance companies. Weird. Yeah, for the day, I guess he had to get an insurance policy out as well, which is obviously what people do when they transport tons of stuff like that. But the uh the most baller thing is um so the interview ends and he puts this giant chain around the doors. I don't know if we have footage <laughs> of the chain in the doc- documentary, but I was just like I was like, if someone's gonna break in, they're gonna break that door. It's a glass door, but there's a huge chain on it. But um, the coolest thing was like he did, he like literally left us there like we were just having some snacks and stuff getting ready for our Uber to come, 
And he's like, okay, guys, see you later. So, yeah, not not scared in the slightest. It was just like, here, you know, whereas well, me, guess- me, like, I'm scared. I'm scared to, like, let my cat into my game room in case it, like, you know, claws a Sega Genesis game or something. Yeah, I mean, he's you're like there like, oh, my God, I can't touch any of this stuff. And his mindset's like, oh, they're, well, they're just video games. I mean, come on. It's let's, not let's, like yeah. it's let's, one of my baseball cards. Yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you a story. There wasn't enough room on the shelves for all the stuff. So there was like probably five games in each corner uh, of the room. So not many, but one of them I didn't see. And uh, all of a sudden I hear a crash. And I had knocked over one of the games. I mean, mind you, it's in a water case, so it's not going to get like hurt or anything like that. But then uh, later he tells me like the value of, of, of said game because it was one of the ones he like put off to the side to talk about. And um, yeah, it was like one of like two golfs in existence. Um, okay. It was uh, just of golf, that grade with that, hand, with that hand to hang tab and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. He didn't care at all though. Like that's the thing. Like I felt so bad. Um, just so you know, basically what you knocked, knocked over to him was box wine and, you know, he's like, yeah. nah, that's crazy. Anyways, that, that's an insane story. That is funny. Sounds um, terrifying. Yeah. Like you're like, this thing is worth more than my whole budget by a whole lot. Our insurance won't cover this. Oh God. Um, all right. Any other crazy stories that you want to want to tell us or like weird things you had to do to get get footage um yeah i mean not not necessarily weird i mean there were just some places uh in the documentary where i felt like we needed more footage so we actually reached out to people and just got pictures of their collection not necessarily um or like video of their collection without them actually being in the documentary uh so there's a lot of shots from like the one-up collection there's stuff from zach the mass gamer um there's stuff from jeff masser um so you will see collections that you know don't have a name attached to them in the documentary but uh you know i guess insider people who've seen these collections will know like if they've ever been to the high-end game room they'll know whose collection is is seen in in some of the scenes and stuff nice okay tower stefan any further questions i have a question uh so it, it it always seems to me that like like there's there's a lot of like video game documentaries that almost were right like or it, it, it's honestly it's kind of similar to like when people say like oh yeah I'm doing this all for a museum and then that museum never never comes to fruition so like I'm just kind of curious as to like with you it was like you were like hey I'm thinking about because like you and I have been friends for a while. And it and it's and it was kind of like this, like, hey, so uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm thinking about doing this documentary, and then like a week later, hey, I'm shooting this documentary, and then like a week later, it's like, oh, it's in the can. Like you seem to like like have like really taken the bull by the horns and kind of like got things done. So I was just kind of curious, like as a documentarian from that perspective, like like why like what are what what are the like the big pitfalls that you uh, you think like make it so that these people who like try to start documentaries, like never kind of get to the end. Like what's, what are the, what are, what were like the big hurdles, maybe the big hurdles for other people that, why are you successful? You kind of have met. Yeah. Why are you successful? Uh, I don't make excuses. I mean, I I think most people have 
every excuse or things that happened to them or, or anything they can use as an excuse to not do something or maybe the you know, I, there's so many people I know who like use COVID as like, uh, I'm just going to sit on my couch, which is what you were told to do. But we found a way to like work around and still be safe doing it. Like we had vaccinations really, really early. Um, and you know, like wore our masks, like some of these days where we were shooting and some of these days where we, uh, where we were going on the plane and stuff, we had masks on for like 20 plus hours because we would go from the plane we get off the plane and get in like an Uber or, or a taxi or whatever it was to go to our hotel. We'd sleep. We'd immediately wake up like sometimes with only like four or five hours of sleep, go shoot that day immediately, you know, go back into a taxi, then go into an airplane and then go home because we were only there for like one day or whatever. Um, I should also say that we shot a whole nother documentary at the same time about completely different subject matter about a lost Texas chainsaw film. And that film is like 90% done and edited as well. Um, wow. And that's also a feature film. But I, I think, yeah, just to answer your question, like a lot of people will just uh, find every excuse in the book not to work on something. Whereas, um, you know, when this is my full-time job and, and, and um, you know, also I see it as like kind of my legacy. And I know Adam, my co-producer, sees it kind of as his legacy. Like, we're not going to be able to do this for very much longer. I mean, not, not to be morbid or anything, but like 35 is not old, but like it's old to be traveling all over the country and stuff like that. Especially I have like my a daughter on the way. It's the first uh, child I'm going to have and stuff like that. Like I'm not going to be able to just drop everything and, and, and go and shoot something. So I want to make sure while I do have time to do this kind of stuff that I'm, I'm getting stuff done. I'm getting meaningless, uh, meaningful stuff done. And I'm, um, you know, just, not spreading myself thin, but, but keeping myself busy. Right. So it sounds like you're saying while other people were finding excuses not to, you found every reason to do it, which I think is yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly. Stefan or Tyler, any further questions? No. Okay. I don't want to get too far off track, Johnny. So I don't need, uh, okay. not need, but yeah. Edward, yeah, what else? Uh, I mean, we definitely need to talk about the info of when it comes out and everything. And we'll also, Tyler, let's put that in the bumper. But um, what else do people need to know about this documentary? What, what else would you like to tell everyone about it? You know, and our audience is collectors. They're just like you. They're, they're one of us, one of us. Uh, you know, tell them anything else that we didn't get to, they need to know. Sure. I mean, we can definitely talk about how we're going to have a huge premiere uh, that the Retro Gaming World is invited to happening on October 5th at the world-famous TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Um, 15 out of 20 of the cast are going to be there, including John uh, Hancock, John Riggs, uh, the whole Pixel Game Squad. Stefan will be there. Hopefully, Johnny will be there. Um yeah, we, we got tons of people in there. We got the, all the filmmakers who will be there. We'll have other collectors uh, who aren't in the documentary that just wanted to come. And they're from different states and countries, etc. Uh, the Golden Wii is making its first American appearance since 2007. Uh, and that seems to be the only thing that like all the gaming <laughs> magazines are interested in and CNN's interested in everything. Is the Golden Wii is coming to America. Um, he's going to be bringing that. So I've, I've been talking to the um, to the Holland consulate as well as the American consulate as well as customs to figure out how to get it here without it being destroyed by customs or stolen by customs because that happens. 
um, or for them not to think that it's a bomb or something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a huge thing that's happening. It's going to be, it's going to be streaming later on in October, uh, as well as we're going to have a very cool video game ask box video game ask release, uh, via Blu-ray documentary on, um, I'm sorry, Blu-ray and uh, DVD happening in mid-November. So it's going to have a nice like Nintendo-esque box, and it's going to have a fold-out poster and that kind of thing. So that's going to be fun. And, yeah, we hope to have you guys all there. Where Wherever your opinions are or whatever about retro gaming or people in the documentary, the documentary is not about any given one person or any one given one subject. It really is just a love letter to the retro video game community. And, um, yeah. We made it for you because we are you. So hopefully you guys uh, come and support. Awesome. Uh, where right. where do I stream it as someone who is not going to be at the premiere? Because I live in North Carolina. <laughs> uh, yeah. So mid um, October, it should be on the Plex network as well as Tubi, as well as Amazon Prime. And um, depending on what country you are, there's going to be different platforms and stuff for any given country. So anybody who wants to watch it will be able to watch it. We'll, we'll be able to watch it without having to pay any extra money besides having like a fire stick or a Roku or something like that. So uh, yeah. that's the is other thing be... is we want to make it accessible. Well, I mean, that's awesome that you want to make it accessible, but is there anywhere uh, where it's going to be like a paid download for people who, who want to support you or how do they support you? Uh, I mean, they can support us by getting the physical media since it's a documentary about okay. physical media. But um, yeah, but every everywhere else as far as the um, typically, I mean, like some of those sites, like you'd be able to watch it and there'd be ads. So, you know, in hindsight, we're supposed to get paid by those ads. How much? I have no idea. It depends on the network and stuff. But like I know Plex, there's like a, a free version which has ads or a paid version um, where there's no ads. Um, and that's kind of the way it is with some of the other like smaller apps and stuff like that. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll get money that way. We don't, we're not worried about it. Um, as, okay. as long as people are seeing it and liking it and that kind of thing. Yeah. So the best thing they can do is first and, uh, you know, enjoy it, but then also, uh, when, when your, uh, physical release comes out to pick that up. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell us about it? Um, any other important dates? I mean, the premiere is October 5th, uh, the TLC, uh, Chinese theater, I struggle not to call it the man's Chinese theater. Um, <laughs> anything else, uh, our, our people need to know. I think that's everything. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about the documentary. Um, you know, I, I've known you for a little bit. Uh, I've, I've contributed a few games to the Genesis collection. We've, we've done some trades at some conventions and stuff. Uh, definitely i I will say that that one time i got so upset because i was going to ask you i was going to ask you for a um you had i think it was mega mega turrican you had a copy i think it was just the mega turrican case and the game and i was just about to offer a trade i think i had like a a beggar prince that you didn't have or something i was just about to offer a trade and some guy walks over and he's like 50 bucks for that and yeah, you sold it to him. I didn't want to be a jerk or anything, so <laughs> oh. I didn't say anything. But yeah, no, that game's like two hundred and fifty dollars now. Yeah, you should have hit me on the uh, on the download on that. Yeah, you know, I don't. 
everything extra for me when I'm at those conventions is just like going back to the games and like trying to give people good deals. Uh, but the point why I even bring that up is uh, for our fans to know, like you said, you're a collector, but like, really, you are a collector. I've run into you at Game yeah. Dude, which is like a big video game store out here. I see you at all the conventions. You're, you know, you've, you're at Game Realms a lot. Like you're out on the hunt. You're picking up video games. You're on Instagram. Tell people your Instagram handle just so we get it out there real quick. Sure. It's an anti-hero production with underscores between each word. Also, yeah. Johnny, I'm pretty sure he's like 10 times more followers than any of us do. So he's the most famous person on this show. Sure. But I like, <laughs> but that doesn't mean he's famous to, uh, you know, video know, game I collectors. Know. I want to, you know, like, because if you look at his handle, you're like, oh, what is that? It doesn't, doesn't scream video games or anything. But, you know, you post and you pick up toys, games. Uh, I'm just trying to make the point that he's a collector, that he's a, a genuine collector, not just some guy who made a documentary. He doesn't give a shit. It's like just saw an opportunity to go out here and like film some stuff. Like he's a real collector. He's, he's down in the trenches with us. He's doing the th same things we do. And uh, he is not because he he's collecting Sega Genesis games, Johnny, instead of NES, which we all know is what he should be I mean, collecting. Don't don't you have a full set of Genesis games? Hasn't everybody Ta on this Tyler, cast had Tyler, a full set of you, Genesis games? If Tyler, if you're only collecting uh, NES, you can give me that. Um, uh, what, what is it? Outback Joey? If you don't want it anymore, D nope. I need everything. I I'm trying. I'm slowly trying to become Johnny. It takes a long time to try to become Johnny, and he keeps buying more stuff. So I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> and how close are you on your uh, Genesis set? You mentioned that you were going for that, but didn't mention how close you were. I think I have 140 left and uh, 80 of them or so are sports games. Not bad. Yeah. Most <laughs> Knock of them out. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, do you just want to sell him those, uh, those hundred something games and then just nope. go buy them again yourself? You, you seem yeah. to be a fan of doing that. Uh, yeah. I mean, who knows? Meet me at a trailer park and we'll talk. <laughs> I might, I might um, do that. All right. So you can, uh, we're going to move on to the second part of the show now. Uh, yeah, are you second, hanging out? Third part. Yeah. I, you want to hang out? You want to, you want to be yeah, a part yeah. of the, uh, the rest of the cast. Also guys, he, he's listened to this podcast before, like multiple times. He listens. He's, I, I hesitate. Unlike to call anyone Eric, excite bite comics and games. Who's a who jerk who was on the show and, and listens to the occasional episode. Apparently. I mean, that's how most people listen to pod. Most people aren't a maniac like you who consume no. everything. I know, I know, but Eric had like a couple years where he didn't listen to a single episode. And at last I heard, he just started listening to an episode or two again. So nice. shout out if Eric's actually listening. <laughs> well, look, don't invoke the uh, name drop everybody thing, okay? Like, we're just trying to see <laughs> if Edward wants to hang out and, and participate in the next half of the show like he's one of the hosts. That sounds okay. like, do you want to do that, Edward? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Tyler. Nice. Move us on to the second, not actually second half of the show, uh, the part where we answer some questions. It's collector's questions. It's time for the second half of the show. We got an hour and what, 20 minutes? Uh, hour, five minutes. Wow. We got through that fast. Yeah, uh, we did good. <laughs> um, we, we stayed on target. On the yeah. topic of video games, or uh, this is from Daddy Mulk. On the topic of video games or otherwise, what's the worst take you've heard from one of your co-hosts also, person who is called out, defend your bad take. Okay. Uh, I'll start. I'll say there is an entire Collector's Quest episode. I was very new to the show when this happened. I've mentioned this before. We did it on uh, price differences during Christmas, 
and we did not it's do not, any kind of statistical analysis. That's not true. You we cherry picked a bunch of data that fit our our hypothesis. No. No, but there was no, no overall analysis. Incorrect. It was a God. bad episode, and no. I, I was not yet established no. enough to call Johnny out. Oh, on it. you are such bullshit! It is an established <laughs> event. I, like you bring this up all the time. It's, you know what it's like. It's like those people who have a wife who like bring something up like five years later that they're still harping. Yeah, Johnny, on. how are we supposed to differentiate between his terrible takes? I don't like, know. It, uh, like I, 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 I mean, I'm everything defend, I say is correct, and everybody agrees def- with me. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. Let me defend my take. The focus of the episode was that on certain games, not all games, that there is a bump. Like we focused on those games because at Christmas, p- other people are like Tyler, and I know you don't understand holidays or joy or love. Um, so let me explain that people sometimes like outside of yourself will buy you things because they love you and want to give you a gift. Um, you know for whatever reason, religious, they, but they do it and they, they aren't as skilled or as in deep as you are. So you will see a bump on the generic items, your Mario's, your Zelda's like the easy stuff. You will see those get a little bump because when people think, Oh, what does my husband want? He wants a Zelda. They're not like, you know, I should probably go find him. Uh, I don't know that Wayne's world for the super Nintendo or something there or Rubik's on, on the PlayStation. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the common game. So we're talking about the big names, the popular games. And you may have seen a phenomenon where all the popular games suddenly became very expensive as if to prove my point. But at Christmas, what? that's a microcosm of that effect. That's all we were talking about. And we showed that there is a price. And if you look at the price curves, Tyler, we did have research. I don't like yeah, I, looking at a price curve is not the same as getting a P value less than 0.05 and and doing it for an entire console set or every video game on price we charting. We were talking about everything. Also, this is for our shitty podcast. No, some like, episodes we put a bunch of research into and that episode we totally winged it and we're just like no, we the data not, will definitely we, support a hypothesis. Yeah. And it did yeah. <laughs> on all the ones we were talking about. And that was the point where it's like, we weren't bringing up obscure stuff. I'm sorry. You have to see us fight Edward. Uh, oh no, I enjoy it. Ste- Stephen's worst take was selling 6,000 video games. Uh, yeah. That, nope. Best I think decision. We already know that. Edward, let's get Edward's take on that. How do you feel about Stefan just totally becoming a sellout and ditching all his games? Good take or bad take? Well, honestly, like, um, I, I I wondered about that because in your interview, Stefan, you had mentioned that, that you used to do, have a Ninja Turtles collection as well, uh, and it made yep, me think of you know you know what it made me think of is um, have either of you seen that movie adaptation with uh, I think Meryl Streep and Nicolas Cage and yeah 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 so uh, like the guy, the guy who did in being that, John Malkovich yeah yeah there's a, so there's a guy in there talking about how like i love turtles and then one day i was like fuck turtles and never wanted to see another turtle again <laughs> that reminded me of of stefan so i was like thinking to myself i was like is this going to happen with video games at some point and then apparently it did yeah it's because well, uh stefan doesn't ed, love things he he bails on ed them also ed, ed, ed's like the only one in this in this call that's like well, actually johnny have you seen the since the art collection has exploded have you seen 
So have you been here? No, but I follow you on Facebook, so I feel like I've. I'm, I'm just saying, like, like he, he, you, you see. I mean, you saw exactly what I did with that six thousand dollars worth. Yeah. of, you know. Yeah. Worth of liquidity. So. Yeah. No, so, I. Uh, six thousand dollars. It's way cooler. It's way just, cooler for sure. Six thousand. You know that Stefan? Stefan made me almost cry in his home and made me shake to where I couldn't even like film anymore because. Uh, I, I had, you, Tyler. Yeah, so I had said that I was. Uh, we were we were just filming his collection, and I, uh, I had come across his um, Battletoads Double Dragon p- Nintendo Power painting, and I was like, "Oh, this is my favorite one here." And as I moved to another room, he comes out with a fold pe- folded piece of paper. And he's like, "Take a look at this," and I took a look at it. And I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" And as I hand it back to him, he's like, "Oh no, that's yours." And I couldn't even film anymore. I was like shaking. I was like, "Oh, oh my god, this is the best." It was the, gift the, I've the ever pencils gotten. for that piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was very generous of you, Stefan. I give you a lot of shit, but that was nice of you. It it oh, like, really was. Yes, I, I've seen that on on the social media, and now we call him Stefan the Magnanimous. <laughs> no, we don't. But if you really liked his Genesis collection, it was mine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I actually and now it is that. many. I knew that as well. Yeah. Now it's and he somebody it else. One time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I. He. He came over. We did the deal, and then like a day later, or like a week later, I bought someone else's collection. I was like, let's put it all back. I just. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was like, how so do I, I make get the, this collection <laughs> worse? Um, I was like, I was like, hey man, I just wanted. The, so after we did this deal, I was like, hey, can I just come over and hang out? And he's like, yes, but you have to promise to not be mad. <laughs> and, and I came over, and he had overnight rebuilt the Genesis collection that I had purchased from him the day before. Well, I just didn't want you to think like I—I I didn't want you to feel like it was something underhanded. You know, I, I like to be—I yeah, I, I like no. to be above yeah. board with people. I'm not an asshole. Well, that—that's yeah, no, tar- tar- not true. That's look. I—I I understand targets of opportunity yeah. better than most. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, if anybody um, wants to trade, um, I, I can—I can make a commercial for you. I can shoot a birthday party. I can do whatever. Or four birthday parties. If anybody wants to trade me Outback Joey for work rendered, uh, I'll do that. It's okay. It's not part of the set. Just don't worry about it. Get those sports games. No, 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 no. I'm not one of those people. It's so not part it's of part the set. It's part of the set. It's a, it's a game oh that God. I need. It, is it, Show me where it, it says po- Genesis anywhere all, on that. Ew. Tyler, you're the asshole who cares about the chips. It, it, it <laughs> It's built in a Genesis shell. It, it plays a, in a Genesis the cart is a Genesis oh, cart. So the unlicensed talk- NES games are are uh, part of the licensed yes. NES. No, my favorite NES game is unlicensed. No, 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 it is licensed though. It's not unlicensed. So is get the fuck out. Play on the Sega Genesis, because that's what all the oh, NES games. Oh say. my god, Tyler, you are such an <laughs> asshole. Like what? Oh god, I love you, but honestly, like, oh, I think so- I want to kick you. Uh, Edward, your, your since we are so technically wild. on a question, what is the worst take you've heard on the Collector's Quest podcast? I hope it's from Tyler uh, just now. That unlicensed games and games that don't say Genesis on them aren't part of the collection. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, got him! <laughs> yeah, fuck out of here, Tyler. Do either uh, of you no, have a bad I, then, take to then, So you don't count, you don't count like the, um, the uh, Blockbuster Game Factory games or anything like that? As uh, part of the set, no. No, I don't count those as part cool of the set, but they're awesome. Uh, like I, I call I, them collection I plus items. In my hand right now, I'm holding a cart that John Riggs made for me t- for my birth announcement. Uh, it's me and my wife on a Sega Genesis game. 
I, I part consider of the that set. part of the set too. <laughs> <laughs> part of the set. Yeah, I mean, I've got some like weird ones that I like. It's not part of the set, but I put it in the collection. Um, yeah. Um, S- some of my favorite games for the was... Nintendo are are unlicensed games. I love Chiller. It's it's one of the games I remember as a kid, like growing up, and, and just how uh, taboo that game was. And we we actually talked about that game in the documentary. Um, there's Hold like on, a, a Tyler, first band game. Th- this is perfect, Edward. Thank you for saying this. I'm sorry to interject because Tyler is always like, no one, like, because I always bring up Chiller as a game that, like, people know. And Tyler's like, no one ever thinks about Chiller. Okay, Johnny, you're a crazy person. <laughs> I'm, and then I'm you still, said it. I'm still Thank recovering you. by the fact that someone loves Chiller. Like, yes. What? <laughs> Thank you I, for I get you're a horror guy. Game, it makes Tyler. sense. So, uh, uh, spoiler alert: there's a there's a whole chapter in the documentary called the Anti Nintendo Game, and it talks about controversial um, controversial Nintendo games. Whether we we go through all the Pan Asian games, we go through um, the controversial games like Chiller and the other ones with violence in them. And, uh, yeah, it's always been something that I, even as a kid, um, I don't know you guys, uh, how old are you guys? I just, I just turned 35. I, th- I know Stefan, I, I don't know what, how old you are, uh, Tyler, but are you around that age? I'm 32. Okay. I grew up with a Genesis just like you. I just okay, thought the so NES when you was grew cooler. up, when you grew up, was it a thing to go to like the video store and rent faces of death and then tell your friends about it? Yes. No, because I always went to the video store with my parents, so I wasn't going to rent Faces of Death. You, was like, Faces of Death at like Blockbuster in Hollywood Video? Yes, no, yes. Was it yeah, at Blockbuster? Like we always went to the yeah, local so, store. So, so they only made it. So they only made it to certain smaller stores, and it was because people at first just thought it was a horror movie. Um, then when like the word got out about it, it got put into like the um, adult section sometimes, or just removed from the store. But um, usually the places where you could find Faces of Death, you could find Chiller and all those unlicensed games as well. So Chiller was always like the uh, was like the video game equivalent of Faces of Death when I was growing up. So it was like a taboo type of thing. And you tell your friends like, hey, I just played this game about torturing people on my Nintendo when you're playing these Jesus games and these little <laughs> kids games about a plumber. <laughs> Man, Faces of Death, what a what a bad thing I did not need to see. I, my friend sat me down, like, we watched Thriller, the Thriller video, and he's like, and yeah. my older brother has this. And uh, I think it was Faces of Death 2. It's the one with the girl, maybe it's even 3, uh, but it's the one with the girl water skiing. Uh, and she she's water skiing topless, and she gets chopped up by the boat. Uh, like, oh. she gets run over by the propeller. And, like... It was very confusing to me because, like, we'd all see these horrible things and then boobs come out. And, you know, I'm, you know, young enough, but also old enough to be like, ah, boobs. And then she gets killed. And then I'm like, ugh, why is this happening? Uh, yeah, I, I was done with Faces of Death after that. I was like, I don't yeah. need these conflicting feelings. And then it came out later that, that all the human deaths were actually fake in those. The only thing that was real was the stuff in the... Uh slaughterhouse that it showed but like you can see that now in any PETA documentary yeah and then I wasn't the because they like very famously showed a cremation and stuff um anyways yeah not, my, not in the my, first one maybe maybe in the in the sequels I haven't seen the sequels I've only seen the first one uh, I think I've seen like the first three 
Um, at very, I have like, like oh, I'm done with this sad. after the third one. No, it's a little like, bit you, much look, faces no, of death for you're, me. You're a kid and you're out. You know, you're a kid in the '80s and you're out and like you're at a friend's house and he's like, "Check out this thing I just got." And you're like, "Okay, here we go." Like, what? What are you gonna do? Like, walk away? Be like, "No, I'm done with this," and get teased for the rest I of your life? A question. Uh, what? Where we? I said we're still. No, we're we, still on a question. Done, my, my movie that was my like, hey, check it out! I got this. Was Fritz the cat? It was like, oh man, we're gonna watch a cartoon oh, cat wow, have yeah. sex, guys. Yeah, I like mine better. Gross, Tyler. You're weird. That that director what? made a lot of cool movies, <laughs> but some of them are very. You guys were never in middle school. You're like, whoa, a movie with nudity? Holy shit! No. Ralph Bakhti is the guy who uh, directed that. He did um, he did Fire and Ice. He did Wizards. He did uh, Cool uh, World. Yeah, that's like his Lord of the Rings. Most he did Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Those yeah. are accessible too, but like he did a lot of like um, stuff based on like. Um, uh, race relations of the time because all these movies were like the, from the 70s and 60s and stuff some of them were really a lot of rotoscoping um, yeah. yeah 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 wizards is probably his best if i had to say yeah i've seen a lot of his work um because i like weird movies anyways Stefan, go on uh what was i was trying to think for my answer to this question i was trying to think about you and i and it the episode a couple years ago made it on like one of my like on when we were doing when we, when we were like stack ranking our our, our uh stuff yes what were we arguing about i don't re- like there was an episode where we genuinely argued uh and i can't remember what it was I, about. I, I i don't remember but your take was wrong uh was my stance um uh, yeah, yeah right that's what that and yeah. and you thinking my take was wrong is a bad take and i wanted to talk about that yeah. um well, can't remember. I just can't for the life of me remember. Yeah. Well, we'll guess we'll just have I to I remember move on. walking away from the reason why I love that episode so much is because we like argued and then like remained friends. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, you like, can. It was like, it was a good example of how like you can vehemently disagree with someone and have it be okay. Well, I'm like, y- you guys know how I am. I'm such an ass. I'm like always screaming at Tyler and you. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't have any teeth in my, like, I just, I'm just that way. Uh, I'm happy to argue with people, but I like to argue passionately. Um, are you part that, Italian? That, that uh, yeah, I'm Italian, yeah. Is Johnny yeah, yeah, Ayuchi Italian? Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure. Some people have names like that, but they're like, no, I'm like yeah, 3%. I, yeah, right. no, uh, my dad was um, 100% Italian, and I'm over here talking with my hands right now. Um, yeah. I feel just, like anybody in my, uh, in my Sicilian side of the family will, will argue about anything at any time with anyone. So I, get, I totally hat. get what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, like I'm Italian enough that there was some Subway commercials during uh like the Super Bowl like 2 years ago where they had like fake Italians on being Italian uh, for their Italian hero and I was uh vaguely offended. That's I'm I'm Italian enough to be offended by that. Um <laughs> Are you offended by Mario being played by Chris Pratt? No. Uh no. Uh, I mean Chris Pratt isn't great. Um that's my hot take for all you Chris Pratt fancies. Like fine in uh parks and rec but everything else he's like pretty mediocre um but he's not so, italian at all oh no he's he's gonna be a horrible mario but that's not because he's not italian that's just because um he's medium is he, talent is, is he gonna do Sucks. the stereotypical like italian accent because that would be very weird especially in today's like uh society i feel like him doing like a stereotypical italian accent would be a little bit uh yeah no i don't think, I think they're just gonna drop 
I think they're probably going to, it's all going to happen in the Mushroom Kingdom and they won't, aren't going to make any reference to where they're from and he won't have an like, is he, like, like I, I'm just hearing that. Is he like really cast as Mario? I saw the cast, but yes. I thought he was like, why? That sounds like the worst. I won't say the worst casting because there's been some pretty horrible casting. Um, but yeah, that seemed like not good. Like Johnny well, Depp being Tonto casting. The shitty, the shitty part too is that like Charles Martinet is in the movie cast cast as like a bunch of different ancillary characters, uh, but he's not playing Mario. So it's gonna be like it's a me, not I Mario. Mean, how, how old is Charles Martinet? Because it could just be that old like, enough to, he, that he can still talk. I know, yeah, so, but so is he gonna sound like <laughs> old man Mario if he tries to carry an entire movie compared to young no. handsome Chris Pratt? I'd love to see an old man Mario movie. <laughs> It'll be just like old man Logan. He'll like, you know, he'll be wearing a, you know, turtles on his back, like turtle shells. And uh, he'll have Everyone's to talk about killed. all the, yeah, like just the horrors of all the Goombas he's killed over the year. Like Mario's a stone cold murderer. Um, so, yeah. Like, Ma- remember, all those blocks have faces. Yeah. Just Mario is a, actually a horror anthology. People just don't realize it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Johnny, do you have a bad take? Uh, Tyler's like we we we've already discussed it. Um, do we have another question, or did that go on long enough for you, Ty- Tyler? Ty- just Tyler, just something Tyler. Everything Tyler says, I don't. Yeah, everything Tyler says. No, that we covered it with with what Edward said about you not taking uh, Outback Joey as being part of the set. Definitely is. Oh, right. All right, I, I agreed. I agreed with Really easy question. Guest. Really good for a guest from Tom Nook. Uh, if you had to start your entire collection over, uh, except for three games, what three games would those be? Ooh. All right. Um, Edward. Yeah, you're our guest. You get to go first. Uh, okay. So I would say Gunstar Heroes. I would say Streets of Rage 2. And Sonic 2. Sonic Funny 2 would be answer, a really difficult one to require, so that's pretty understandable. You did trade me a Streets of Rage 2. I don't know if you remember. When we did that trade, you one of the things you brought me was a Streets of Rage 2. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. I, probably had a, I probably had a second you had, copy. You were doing multiple trades at the time at the convention. I just think that's funny that's how that worked out. Yeah, yeah, no, um, it's it's I have I have it both for I have the Japanese version and the uh American version. The Japanese versions of both the, of all three of those games are, are are far superior, but um but yeah, I would still say Streets of Rage 2. If if we were also including games I don't have but I, I've played, I would say Alien Soldier over Gunstar Heroes because I feel like it's just Gunstar Heroes but uh on steroids. Um yeah, it's an amazing game if you haven't played it. So, Tyler, you want to answer next, but like, it's an interesting question. So, are we talking from a nostalgia perspective, or like, should we answer financially? I mean, I'm just going to assume my, it's my, like, what's your favorite stuff or stuff that might be the hardest to get again? I'm not just going to say my three most expensive games. That's not a very fun way oh. to answer the question. Well, uh, I answered it wrong then. No, no, you what? answered from nostalgia. You gave a nostalgia, oh, answer, yeah, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, mine, uh, I would say like Charmander Zelda doesn't come up a lot and I would just keep that because I think it's probably like the coolest thing in my collection. And then my two favorite games are Ocarina of Time and Mario 64, which I have both of them sealed. Uh, But the Ocarina of Time 
is like maybe like the most common sealed game ever graded. So I'm giving up Ocarina of Time, but I'm keeping the Mario 64. And then uh, Doom is my favorite game after that. So I will keep my... No Ninja Gaiden? Uh, okay. No, like Ninja Gaiden 3 is in the top 10, but I mean, you can't mm-hmm. beat Mario, Zelda, and Doom. Okay. Even though I'm the biggest Metroid fan on the show, as we all know. Shut the fuck up. Metroid Prime would be right after that. But Doom 1.1, or Doom version 1.1, is the first mail-order version of Doom. Yeah, this episode brought to you by Wrong Answers Only from Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, it would be my Hang Tab Metroid, a Complete Box Super Metroid, and Metroid Prime, the first print made in Japan Metroid Prime, not the made in USA bullshit. (laughs) That's that's a Tyler answer I expected right there. There you go. (laughs) See that in the documentary. Okay, uh, Stefan. Since you don't uh, own yeah. games except for a few, uh, let, let's hear what you. Let's hear what you're not I giving love, up. I love that, like we we are in a, at a point in our lives where like me owning three thousand games, <laughs> just is a, like few. a few. I mean, you're uh, a peasant yeah. collector now. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, so mine are totally a nostalgia answer, right? Or just what they mean to me personally. Um, and it's like those particular copies of these yes. games. So, uh, so my. Childhood copy of Super Mario Three. It's the only game in the room that is from my childhood, my my like original not childhood true. collection. Hundred percent false. Yeah, Growl is in there too. Not, but that's like that's like Genesis. Like that that's further along in in my in my okay. childhood, right? So like I thought, Mario I thought Three you were about is like to my say only... with Edward on the show. That's Genesis. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. So uh, my my Genesis uh, copy of a cart only copy of Growl, and that's because I sold it at a. Most people know the story, but I sold it at a yard sale. Uh, when I was very young, and then it made its way back to me via a retro game store up north after having traveled, you know, three thousand miles or whatever, like thousands of miles, and um, and uh, you know, tw- like twenty years, thirty years, um, and uh, and it actually made its way back to me. So I, I I now reown that copy, which is just an incredible story, and I love that. Uh, my grandfather also gave that to me for a birthday. Um, and then my copy of Stadium Events, which my late wife, Heather, uh, gave me as a gift for taking care of her through her stage four cancer diagnosis. So those are definitely the three that I would Oh, so Growl is, is on the list? Oh, yeah. I'm in. All right, all three those, have those personal stories attached to them. Man, your list is so much better than, uh, than ours. Is. Well, actually, I don't know what Johnny's list is, but uh, I'm, gonna, my, I'm saying Stefan's list is the best so far. Mine's not good. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, my, my. go for it johnny uh final fantasy 2 for the super nintendo because i i still it, it's my childhood copy so i it's um it's not in the original it's original box i put it in a different box but uh yeah that because it's it's not replaceable um as as we went through in uh, all of my childhood history episodes uh yeah don't have much of that stuff left um, but Final Fantasy 2, also just like my favorite Final Fantasy, uh, one of them. So that, that one stays. Um, and then financial, I get a financial answer, like, uh, because I wouldn't want to try and rebuy it. And if I needed to try and acquire more games, Outback Joey in box would be the thing that I could use to get more games if I wanted. And then Johnny Blockbuster World Championships. That's two. the next, that's the okay. next answer. So yeah, you just that, have that. Take it to the bank. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have the Blockbuster World Championship card. I have... Well, you're going to be in the cards, part the two of the documentary, and you, I won't take no for an answer. <laughs> uh, okay, well, you can come up and you can look at all the Blockbuster stuff. Uh, I'll borrow one of Stefan's Blockbuster signs as a nice backdrop. 
<laughs> you, Johnny, you might have to like remind the world that that exists because fucking no one cares. No and one people cares. are like talking about NWC being worth two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and me- meanwhile, <laughs> there's like twelve blockbuster carts n- known to exist. Um, and I'm just sitting over here with one of them and people are like, I don't know, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks, I guess. Um, no, thanks. I'll I'll give you a hasn't there bucks. been one on and off eBay for like 20 grand? Do you want like, yeah. uh, do you want like one of my kidneys or seriously? Um, I mean, I'm like a fat diabetic, so I might need a kidney. So we'll, we'll talk later. I don't know. I've been barking up that tree for a long, long time. Oh, it's sold. Dude, it sold six days ago. Really? Like Twenty five thousand dollars. I mean, one? maybe we're in the times. Uh, yeah, Blockbuster World Championships too. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's real sale, but in these days, it sure seems like it would be twenty five thousand dollars. Holy shit! I mean, Man, so I should I should put that in something uh, sturdier than uh, a flimsy plastic uh, box protector for carts? Is it is it ridiculous that the first thing I thought when you told me that number was eh, okay? Yeah, I mean, it is. It it's, is ridiculous. It's so much less than NWC now. Because I still think it's, I, I thought it would go for more than that. Yeah, like no, it, like this guy had trouble selling it. This has been on eBay for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. And then there was another one that the same guy had. It was um, it was like a in-store blockbuster Judge Dread, but it wasn't the championships. Hmm. But he was selling it for like five thousand, and then it was gone one day. Ah. Uh. Uh, an- another answer, like if I was like replacing it with a, like a nostalgia item would be my copy of shining force three, because that was the copy I bought while I was in the air force. So that was like when I was getting back into gaming. So if and I was we'll replacing the, those, the bonus disc, cause we know you vastly overpaid for your bonus disc. I, I sh- yeah, I sure did. Uh, back when people gave a shit about shining force, those were the days. All right. Uh, I- I really like that cart you have from the the Disneyland exhibit. Oh, God, that's, that's such that a good one, too. That one sticks. Yeah, I have a cart, Edward, if you haven't seen it. It's uh, fan, um, Fantasia, and it was from Disney's House of the Future when they had those installs at Disneyland and the House of the Future where you could play yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a copy of Fantasia from one of those. Oh, wow. So. The coolest thing I think I, think I have, um, well... I have a few uh, test cartridges for Double Dragon for the Genesis, the sample carts. Nice. Um, I have, of course, I have the two Blockbuster things I mentioned earlier. Uh, I just got a Atomic Robo Kid um, from Mike Dejerio. Uh, D- 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 I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but you guys probably know him. He has all the, the prototypes. But I guess it's like... Um, He's holding on to it for me right now. I'm just paying him in, in uh, installments, but essentially it's a very early version of that with different menus and different levels and that kind of thing of Atomic Robo Kid for the Genesis. Um, is that like a, a pre-release thing, or is there just like a variant that has all different stuff in it? No, no, it's it's like a very early um, uh, prototype. Oh, Cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and then you, I have the you same scared thing. me when you said very early. I'm like, do I have to track down this rare Atomic Romo Kids software <laughs> thing? But good, it's a prototype. No, you don't collect things that are actually rare. Uh, I have a rare. Oh version god, get of, out of here, uh, Boogerman for the. <laughs> I have a Boogerman for the SNES as well. That's just been at water for like uh, like a year at this point. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to get that back either because I, ha- I paid for the whole thing for them to do like a. Uh, tell me everything that's different about the game and all that kind of stuff. So it's the longboard one. So nice. Okay. Yeah, everything Tower. else is kind of, 
We've answered the questions. We've done it. Shall we move on to what we're buying and playing? Yes, Did we Johnny. have more? What are you buying? What are you playing? Edward, we'll start with you. Sure. So uh, today in the mail, I got uh, three sealed Genesis games. I got Echo Jr., which is like probably, I would say, like a 9.5 box. It's perfect condition. Uh, I got a True Lies. I think that game's harder to find complete in box than sealed. It's is also it? hard to Echo find it Jr.? without Sunfade on it. it f- keep that thing yeah, away no, from this all is, this is a really good. This is a really good one. Uh, so I got that. I got uh, True... Um, not True Lies. What the hell is it? One second. I guess it is True Lies. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's Last Action Hero. That's what it is. I got a Last Action Hero sealed, which is in very good condition. Sorry, I'm like looking across the room without trying to get out of my headphone reach. Um, I got a sealed Eternal Champions Mega Box uh, Mega Hit Series for the Genesis, and I got a James Pond sealed for the Genesis. That was all today. But the thing I'm most happy about is uh, I think Tyler saw it on my Instagram, or he at least he liked the photo. But um, I found like five hundred dollars worth of Power Rangers etc. figures on the side of the road yesterday. And I put a big picture out of all of them. Like one of the figures alone is like two feet tall and it's worth like over a hundred bucks just for that. And it was just on the side of the road. Someone threw him away. I mean that it looks pretty cool. It is. There's a lot I, of cool I don't know how to describe it. any of it. it. It's it's not the Megazord. Is it the Megazord or is it like one of the It's a, it's a newer Megazord. So, so it's a, um, so this one's called the Lion Zord, Fire Lion Zord. Uh, and it's like it's like the equivalent of like back in our day, it'd be like the Pyramidus of today. So it's like uh, the one that all the other ones attach to, but it's like the one that makes everything huge. Uh, but this is like probably the biggest ever released of the uh, official like Megazords or whatever. But it's from uh, Power Rangers Ninja Steel, and I had to look that up because I didn't watch it past like season three. But um, yeah, that toy alone is like worth a hundred dollars, and there's barely anything missing from it. Uh, the parts that are missing for it are like three dollars and six dollars or whatever. Um, but then there is like a Voltron. There's all the more like the the wolves from Voltron. There's little like micro machines of like Yoshi and Bowser. There's a bunch of DC stuff. Uh, there's the original Megazord. Um, re-release from 2015 so it was like some pieces of that which is the t-rex 2015 what's this person doing throwing it out if they're collecting stuff in 2015 like you're probably holding on i'm pretty sure it's a little kids stuff (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's a little kids stuff because none of the stuff is like terribly old like all the stuff is like from 2013 and on um okay but yeah like uh, I, i priced it out just to see like this person gave away like yeah like it was either close to five hundred or six hundred dollars worth of stuff. Just threw it on the side of the road. So maybe heard of Goodwill. This is very rude. No, it, it, it hey. was probably somebody's mom for a kid who just went off to college. Like oh, Dennis Khan's mom. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. That happened to me. Um, not well. Yeah, my mom gave away tons of my stuff when I went to California, and uh, I said, "Yeah, just hold on to this. Hold on to this." And then one day she told me I had had you know how turtles like live for a very long time. I had three they're called diamondback terrapins um super like rare like turtles like they have like white skin purple shells black spots um and the whole tank to go with it like a hundred gallon tank 
And one day she tells me that she sold all my turtles and the uh, the tank for fifty dollars to someone on Craigslist. Oh my god! It was probably like a, a four thousand dollar tank, and each of the turtles was probably like fifteen hundred dollars. Oof! I hate your mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, uh, in the on the flip side. I had a yard sale that I went to a few years ago and someone sold me their son's entire Pokemon card collection for $20 and I ended up putting it on eBay and uh, I'm still selling some of them to this day and I've already made probably like eight or $9,000 off of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Pretty good return. Yeah. Take that yard sale kid. <laughs> uh, okay. Just to, to harp on one thing, not harp on it, but to go back, uh, James Pond on Genesis, that's a game I upgraded one or two years ago because mine wasn't in great shape, and I had trouble finding even, like, a pretty nice complete box. Is a sealed one of those not, like, pretty cool? Is that, like, not a serious cool. Are there new so old stock I, ones of those out there? Uh, no, I don't I think, think so. This is the this is the agent one. This isn't the James Bond. It's whatever, the underwater... I think it's the... Uh... It might be the first one. I'm not quite sure. I literally just got them bef- and opened the box before coming on the podcast. So I haven't actually evaluated. I think I did a uh, a video that I uploaded just to show that it was like, you know, there's not even any marks in any of the seals or anything like that. Um, but the James Pond one is not in the amazing shape. It'll probably get like a six box or something like that. Um, let me look at it real quick. One second. Okay. All right. There is, there is one... Uh... On the old eBay. Maybe I'm just crazy, but on the old eBay, everybody rush and get your sealed James Ponds now. There's only one on eBay. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, can I say one I more game cool. that I got that I'm excited about? Sure, go. Yeah. Okay, so I got the rarest game sealed for the PlayStation 1. The rarest! Yeah. Um, uh, it's like uh, uh, Aquadox Holiday. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, got that. So that is off to water already as well. So I'm happy about that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I've got lately. Awesome. Looking forward to getting that game back in like 2025. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some sometime there. Yeah. My daughter. I was going to ask what, what tier are you going to send it in at? But they only have birthday. one open right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I already uh, sent it in. So everything I've sent in, I've sent in uh, anyway in the past year that I've sent in, I've sent in at the $85 tier. I have only sent in games at the $25 and $35 tier. And I felt like I was getting ripped off at $35. You and were. here we I even, are. I wasn't in the even future. aware there was a $25 and $35 tier. Is that like the 180 day turnaround? Yeah, that was, that was in yeah. 2018 before all this started. Right. Back in the day, okay. uh, I told my wife the rarity retro gaming in the modern era, retro collecting in the modern era documentary was made. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was actually before I sent all this stuff in. Uh, you playing anything? Are you play? Are you playing anything? Am I playing anything? Yeah. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to play stuff these days. Honestly, I've played a lot of um, uh, what the hell's the game for the. For the Super Nintendo, it is the King's something. Seven, you know the name. It's the beat 'em up. It's like uh, King's. Oh, um, not King's Quest. It's Assumption uh, oh, Court. Not King, King Arthur's Arthur. Court. No, no it's, it's King's Demon or something. No, that's the you guys. Yeah, 
Hold I'm on. I'm gonna cut all this out so we sound like we know what we're talking about, but I'm not the Super Nintendo guy. Yeah. King of Dragons? Probably. It might be yeah, it might be King of the Dragons. The Lion King? It's, it's a King of the Monsters? No, 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 no. <laughs> It's a, it's like a beat up it's like a beat up uh beat em up of like like one person's like a um a mage, another person is like a it's a strong guy. I mean that sounds like King of Dragons. It sure sounds it might be like King, King of, of Dragons. Dragons. Yeah, yeah, it's probably King, King of Dragons. Dragons. Capcom beat him up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been playing that. Um, I've been be- playing Solstice again, just because uh, I love that game as a kid for the Nintendo. Um, and also, uh, after I had our interview with, with Stefan, I was telling him some of my favorite games, which he didn't agree. No one's favorite game is Asti and Axe for the Nintendo, but uh, that was one of my favorite games for the Nintendo, so I've been playing that lately as well. I agree, it's not one of my favorite games. Me too. Me too. (laughs) What a a middle-of-the-road platform (laughs) action game. (laughs) And the box is confusing. I don't like the The most interesting thing to do is learn how to pronounce it, which I don't even know the correct way to pronounce it. I I don't think I pronounce it correctly. At least the magic of Sherazad is like a thing, you know? Yeah, but you look at that box and you have no that's, idea what that's it says. That's true. It, it's a metal band. It's pretty sweet. Shahazad or Shahrazad. It's a magic uh, card. It, it, yeah, it's more than a magic it, card. Come on. You want to reach into what? history? No, and, I know it's uh, more than a magic card. Like, but the oh reason that I can I can recognize the word is because it is a really cool magic card. It is cool. Reserve. You know what? I, I will say that it just made me think of. You know what I have played that's, uh, that's funny? So... I had mentioned that there's some um, pornographic games in the documentary. Um, I really quickly learned that the Atari pornographic games are a lot more hardcore than the ones for the Nintendo, than the Panasian games. Like the Panasian games, you'll see like an eight bit nipple here and there, but like just the absurdity of the Atari, some of the Atari games. Like I, I was like, there's actually a text thread. I think my producer shared it to Facebook. It's just so ridiculous. Cause it's like, dude, there's no way I can put footage of this game in this in this. And he's like, he's like, oh, you can just blur stuff out. I was like, dude, I'd be blurring out the whole screen. Uh, are you guys familiar with a game called Beat 'Em and Eat 'Em? Yeah, wh- oh, where yeah. Yep. where you jizz down into a woman's open mouth. Uh, and if you uh, don't no, catch you do it, not. Yes. You play the women in that game because it's an early female protagonist game. Yeah, game. you yes. yes, but but you have to catch the jizz before it hits the floor, or you fail. Exactly, and then at the end of each level, they lick just their like lips. Real life. Um, so he's just like, "Yeah, just blur out the the parts that we can't put in there." I was like, "Yeah, I don't You're think like, uh, we can blur anything." And the the guys aren't even guys; they're just a giant penis at the top of a building. Yeah, it, and it's it's weirdly <laughs> contracting too <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, beat him and eat him is a hilarious. Like the fact that that exists uh, is hilarious. Unlike Custer's Revenge, which is just like, a, whoa, I can't believe this exists. Uh, also, yeah. nothing you could show in that game either, because just you can clearly see it's a woman tied up being raped. Uh, so that's not great. But, yeah. but the, the, the developer of that it? game staunchly defended himself and said it's not rape. Um, oh, she was in, oh, in like 1983, whenever the game in was made, 1983. What? Because there was controversy. Yeah, you mean. <laughs> I like let's not get into it like I don't know how someone is tied up I know, and I know. like screaming like animations of struggling and then getting dicked down and that not be right yeah uh, they had to say and then also okay. but then also the weirdest part about that is that guy's literally 
like risking his life to rape this person because he's getting yeah. shot with arrows. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, and that doesn't even go into any of the, uh, the how culturally insensitive that is or anything like that. So, yes. uh, everything about that, that game, game is, is a nightmare. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Edward, uh, did you play X-Man in your Atari porn quest? We didn't play it, but we did get some footage of, um, the box, some, some really great sealed, uh, versions of it, as well as like some other porno games that people had slabbed. Okay, so I just want to bring up X-Man uh, as a an Atari porn connoisseur who has played pretty much every Atari porn game. Uh, X-Man has an excellent mini game when you beat it uh, with some full screen coitus that is taking place on the Atari. And when uh, the the people participating complete, they all explode into random rainbow colors as you'd expect an Atari. It's excellent. Everyone go play X-Man. Yeah. We're going to have terrible. to put like a uh, in the bumper, you're gonna have to say that this uh, don't listen with kids in the room. This isn't. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're 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 a mature rated show now, Johnny. That's something true. something we learned from our Japanese. Um, we have a uh, kid Shiryuken, and he's in ja- he's in Japan. He's American, but he's lived in Japan for a lot of years. You guys probably know him, Jim Ford. Not um, he. Uh, he was talking about how like a, a lot of the games that didn't make it over to America from like the Genesis and other other systems and stuff. There's always because there's like. Um, things that are sexually acceptable in Japan, but not here. Um, there's like games where like you have to avoid flying penises and all this kind of stuff, uh, that didn't make it over there. But, um, no, I'm like, um, now, now because of the documentary, I'm like seeking out these weird games that came out like for the Genesis. I don't know if you guys have heard of the divine ceiling. Um, yep. F- yeah. You just get, it's expensive get it. too. Yeah, it's like you know, like a over two hundred dollar game now, complete. Um, but basically, you yeah, know, you just two hundred dollars used to be an expensive game. Yeah, <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I guess yeah. it's not so bad. Ugh. Yeah, there was a time, there was a time where I, I, I wanted a deal so bad that I stood in line for eleven hours on Black Friday at Game Dude to get a twenty percent deal or something like that on Musha, and it was just the cart. Um, so I was there from like six in the morning and, and they were like, oh, uh, we're, they do a really stupid like um, Black Friday thing where you can't buy Isn't the retro certain... stuff in the afternoon. Yeah. Like, but like, I didn't know that. Like, I just saw the thing like, like you still had to. Oh, you still had to be there in the morning, though, to get your um, your pass because they only gave a certain amount of passes away as far as like you get to be number one in line once the, we start the retro stuff or whatever. So I had, I was number three in line and I got there at like 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. Stayed there till 11, got the pass, went back, went back to sleep, came back at like like two or something like that. And uh, yeah, got got my Musha for like the, it was like, I want a 60 or $70 off or something like that. But still, like I, I remember thinking then like, oh, I'm about to spend over $100 for a game. That's ridiculous. Um and the people like laughing at me because I was spending over a hundred dollars on a old uh, Genesis <laughs> game, and now I'm just like and like three and four hundred dollars is like nothing when it comes to some of the higher end stuff. So, who's laughing now? <laughs> them still. So they they them saved still. all that yeah, money. Um, still them. Okay, well that's uh pretty good stuff. Tyler, do you want to share what you are buying and playing? Uh, Johnny, yeah. I bought 
an Apogee Wolfenstein 3D. I, did I talk? I don't think I talked about you this. You did not. You okay. Didn't, oh, I mean, I don't know. You might have, because I'm already pretty bored. I don't think I did. We were uh, You were on the show with yeah. me last time. Anyway, uh, the original release of Wolfenstein 3D was mail order. Uh, it had no box. It came in a bubble mailer. I do not know enough about the collecting... Ne- there is not a lot of information, even, about the collecting differences of Wolfenstein 3D variants. There is more information out there about Doom. Uh, I do know how to check if my disc is the first version. I have not checked it uh, yet. But anyway, uh, so it's just a manual and a disc, and I got the hint book with it. Uh, Did not get the bubble mailer. There are people who do have the original mail order bubble mailer for Wolfenstein 3D. Um, and this was a total FOMO purchase because one came up, uh, they do not come up very often. And I started seeing a couple people posting Wolfenstein 3D on social media. And I'm like, what? Get out of computer games. Stop it. Like Carl Jobs is on, on, on these interviews now. And he's like, PC collecting is the next big thing. Get out of here. This is my shit. Anyway, uh, boxed copies of Wolfenstein 3D are getting up there, uh, in price. So I, I paid not much more to get, a mail order Wolfenstein 3D, uh, which I think it's like one of those must have things on my long term want list. And I paid a shitload of money for it. But now I never have to think about it again. Guys, every time you buy something well, like. Unless you want if, unless you want it complete. Right. Unless you in don't the bubble mailer. A OK, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Is it complete without the bubble mailer? Nope. No, it's not. Mm, I'm going to put it in a Ziploc bag. Uh, put it on the shelf. I won't even be able to see it, and I'll never think about it again. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. But you'll know. I'll, you'll know. I know I'll know. There, know. There's so many games that I think of, and I just, I know. I know. This is my favorite thing What's to it? do to you. I, my Castlevania <laughs> hang tab, my, my, like, my nice one, the one with the big label, it's missing the sombrero on the hang tab. And I think about it every time okay. I think about Castlevania. I'm like, oh, yeah, my hang tab Castlevania is not like super nice. God, I know. Why do you care about that? <clears throat> Having the sombrero, you gotta have the sombrero. Other, it's like the whole box isn't there. It's only like ninety eight percent of a box. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, here's something that I bought and then immediately. So this is the opposite. I bought it and then immediately got shamed on social media. Um, not shamed. But, <laughs> so I bought a a clamshell John Madden football, which Wada, <laughs> we talked about it right before the show. Uh, Wada just posted, or Kenneth from Wada posted a sealed one on Instagram and called it a promo copy of John Madden football. I, I would love to know the reasoning. I'm like, why that's a promo. I, I have my, what I always thought, but I would love to know what their confirmation was. So, uh, Johnny, you just told me that the, the clamshell doesn't have a UPC on it. That's um, what I I believe. Uh, that could be inaccurate. This, no, that's true. I, I just checked that. mine. Okay. Um, but like I don't know how it was distributed. Uh, That's what the else? problem with a lot of these things. Like, and also everything coming out of EA, especially early like that, was the wild west because the deal EA cut with Sega at the time was so strange. Uh, you know, EA was allowed to do anything they wanted. So that could have been when they were doing like early magazine press and stuff, because uh, they would like take those uh, to the magazines to be reviewed. You know, so it could have been like that. Could be something I, I don't know I though mean, how it, it's I mean, determined. 
Yeah, so anyway, so I bought one, and then so Kenneth posted a sealed one, and then someone else, uh, uh, maybe Velvet the Elf on Instagram, also posted a sealed one. It's like, oh, okay, great. I'm so happy to just get this complete in box, and everyone's posting that they have sealed ones now. Which, like, this game, go on eBay right now, look for John Madden Football, every single copy is going to be a cardboard box. Yeah, I, I never bought a clamshell. That was, like, one of the things I was always missing, and I wanted. Yeah. So I'm so impressed I, uh, by that. Daddy Mulk reached out. To, don't be impressed. Daddy Mulk reached out to me and he's like, hey, this is just listed. Go buy it. I love you is basically what his thing said because he didn't <laughs> buy it and try to flip it. Um, oh, I'm sorry about that. Also, yeah, just calling it promo. Like I just saw uh, someone had graded a bunch of Super Nintendo or Super Famicom gold cartridges, which were uh, like competition cartridges or demos in Japan. I don't know a lot about Super Famicom stuff. Uh, but Wada labeled them all as mail order uh, promos, I think. Um, I just want to know, if you're going to label it, tell us what it means. Because, like, I know that they they label all the Starbox NES games as promos. And, like, they are 100% not promos. I was going to say, they've, they've never the got NES it. Boxes yeah. is a warranty change. Yeah, they've never gotten any labeling wrong before. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I believe it's a promo. It doesn't have UPC. Anyway. I, look, I can bl- look. I I defend that position. I have before, so um, yeah. But I'd be curious what the rationale was. I would love to know that. Uh, I would love to know a lot of rationale uh, that comes out of like why things are called the way they are in video games. I would love for someone to explain to me all the secrets and and why people pay the prices they do for some of them. Yeah, why someone would pay $700 for a copy of Wolfenstein 3D. Stefan's calling me it's out. fucking crazy. It was a little less than 700 Maybe, <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, 700 let's, we'll, we'll let uh, Stefan talk, and we'll ask him why he paid so much money for some things. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's like $400 for a regular-ass complete-in-box one. Like, not even, like, the rare first print, which the first print of the GT Interactive one has uncensored swastikas on the back. Every other version has censored swastikas. There's like a CD version. There's all, it's a hundred versions of Wolfenstein 3D. The cool versions are the mail order one and the one with uncensored swastikas. And for like a year, I couldn't even find a picture of a copy with uncensored swastikas because they're that rare. Also, anyway. people don't want to take pictures of swastikas. Uh, you know, it <laughs> could also be that. that as well. <laughs> okay, so you didn't play anything? You want to tell us about what? That's uh, what you wait, buy. I also got something that maybe Edward can relate to. Edward only being three years older than me. Uh, you guys are are too old. You're old men. I got a sealed <laughs> big box logical journey of the Zumbinis on PC. Nope, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. It's an edutainment game. It was pretty cool in the '90s. You guys had to I be. I actually there. passed out when you started talking. All right, no, let's talk I, about I, something I, interesting, guys. I beat <laughs> I beat Ultima Exodus, the game oh that that how long to beat says takes 20 hours and the back of the box says takes hundreds of hours or like a hundred hours. I found it to be somewhere in between those two numbers. Is that the one with the gargoyles? No, right? What, what am I thinking of? With the gargoyles? Yeah. I don't know what you're thinking of. You're talking to the only other person on this podcast who cares about Ultima and, and Stefan. So Wait, Stefan plays Ultima games? Have you played Exodus? Uh, I'm trying to think whether or not well, I there's nothing to do with gargoyles. No, I, I don't think I have. So, so he had some is... signed Game Boy ones. Yeah, well, yeah, I have, I have, I have all the Ultima games signed by Lord British, and he actually signs them Lord British, which is the best thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, this is the one that's like a prototype for 
all party-based computer RPGs. So, like, Wizardry is the, like, dungeon-crawling prototype, and this is, like, making serious strides in party-based RPGs. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, it it had a lot less bullshit than I would have suspected. There is a bunch of grinding, and th- I'd say the very last thing in the game you have to do is use the pray command on essentially a blank square, and there's no hint in the game that tells you to do that. Maybe someone would That's get desperate bad. enough to try that. <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as Castlevania 2. I don't think anyone in the world ever beat Castlevania 2 without help or Nintendo power or already knowing about kneeling. Um, I told but you I, I could did. see someone being desperate enough to beat this. I told you I I did beat it without that. I found it by accident. Yeah, so Johnny has a, a faulty memory when he says that because no one has ever beaten Castlevania 2, like I said. <laughs> I do... I want to bring up one one funny thing about Ultimate Exodus, because I could talk about this, you know, for 15 minutes here. But uh, my favorite thing is that there's a spell that lowers all enemy HP to one when you cast it. It hits every enemy and it hits 100% of the time. So once you learn this spell, the entire, all the combat in the game becomes fucking pointless. But you have to regenerate your magic points after every battle. And the way you do that is by pressing the B button to essentially like skip a turn in the world. So after every battle, I would press the B button 400 times to regenerate my magic points back up, which was very fun. Which sounds just wow. like why you like uh, RuneScape. Uh, I mean, there there is a thing to say about people who play RPGs that they have terrible taste in game mechanics, yes. Okay. And then I started uh, started Kirby 64 because I heard in the Collector's Quest Discord that it was the de facto best Kirby game that everyone thinks is the best Kirby game. Which I was not aware is an opinion. Uh, is that strange who, who said that? Yeah, I is that an opinion that's real? I, I don't... I do not believe it's an opinion that's real. No, I... Mm-mm. Um, it's all right. As someone who's going in and thinking I'm going to absolutely hate it because I do not like Kirby games because uh, they're too easy. And this one is very easy. It's fine. It's not like so uh, Kirby's epic yarn is like so easy that it might as well not exist as a game. And this isn't that bad. So uh, this is crystal shards, right? Yes, the crystal shards. And so like the gimmick is that there's three crystal shards hidden in each level. Um and so because there is that one thing to do is like, I, well, I have to like at least explore the level to find the crystal shards. That's why it's not the worst because they're they're hidden or you need certain power up combos to go get them. OK. Nice. That's All right. For me. Steph- Stefan, this this part of the show is becoming as long as the interview. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's been uh, it's been a hot minute since I've it's the uh, best thing since. No, 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 no! Like the, the, just no, give it's, us the last it's good month. because I haven't really bought much. Keep the so, episode going. Uh, You're like I bought a hundred easels. Of, <laughs> I mean, I bought a bunch of McDonald's changeables, which was very exciting. Um, but um, as far as the uh, collection anyone cares about, uh, the the big thing that I bought was uh, so um, the Rick and Morty comic book. Uh, they did a they they did a, a an issue called Pocket Like You Stole It. It was like a mini series. So Pocket Like You Stole It number one had a variant cover that was an homage to Nintendo Power number one. It was a a, a clay sculpture of uh, uh, Morty being chased by Rick, who also resembles Wart from Mario two. Uh, and so 
I happened to, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I wonder if that actually still exists. And I reached out to the artist and indeed that sculpture did exist. And we came to a deal and I now have that in the Art of Nintendo Power Collection. So uh, while the uh, the clay sculpture for issue one no longer exists, um, this was just kind of a cool, like I, I think it's kind of neat to also sort of document and preserve uh, cultural impact of Nintendo Power. Uh, and so uh, so that sculpture um, is really cool. And that was like my, my most recent significant get for that collection. Uh, and that is up on my Instagram if people want to see that. Nice. And what'd you play? Um, no, tell uh, he's not I have been, been here for a month. He's allowed to talk about more things he bought unless there's nothing. Um, no, I mean, that, that's kind of like, I, to, to, to Johnny's point, I have been buying stuff for the actual, like being able to, um, display the collection publicly. And so, yes, I did buy easels? like What's a good 40 easel to easels display and, your artwork collection stuff. God, no one cares. Uh, <laughs> Arteza, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so I actually have. I know I'm usually the one, one of the ones that never has anything to play or never plays anything. But uh, in the in the uh, Nintendo Direct the other day, they surprised us all with a remake of one of my favorite games of all times. Uh, they they remade ActRaiser, uh, ActRaiser Renaissance is the name of the game, uh, and they were like, "Yeah, we're doing this, and it's out today." So I've been playing ActRaiser Renaissance. Um, I. I like it, but I think I like it mostly because I like ActRaiser. Um, but uh, they didn't. So uh, my my two second review is they didn't screw up anything existing, but then they just added a bunch of stuff to make it longer, and it just that, that doesn't feel good to me. So I don't really like the new stuff, but I like the you know I like the yeah, old. You sound old like stuff. an old man. Yeah. That's what we like. What? No, the old man would be me who's like, I'm not playing a remake. I'm just going to go play ActRaiser. Anyway, I really like it. Um, it's just, you know, longer for no reason. <laughs> uh, sometimes you need to make a game better by uh, by editing out the bad parts. Like how in Mega Man 3, they should have edited out all those Mega Man 2 bosses. I mean, that's and like a Mega Man gimmick always, isn't it? I don't know because I stopped playing the regular Mega Man games after Mega Man 3 because I was so tired. Uh, of... may- maybe they, it's <laughs> just that you always have to go back and play all the bosses over again. I can't remember. Mega oh, Man yeah, 2 is no, the best you play, Mega Man. You play all the bosses over again, but you also play yeah. like a little section where you fight the Mega Man 2 bosses. Well, they, they, like, yeah, why they, is this in the game? Yeah, it's awful. Um, it's not fun, especially the part with the dragon. Ugh, not a fan. Anyways, uh, I'll tell you guys very quickly what I bought. Um, I bought, uh, I think I alluded to this stupid thing I did. So there is, I'm sorry, Stefan, did you have any more stuff? I, I, I apologize. I just ran over your ending. Okay. Yep, that was it. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I have Daredevil, uh, or Ghost Rider for the PS2, and I put it in someone's like, do you have the comic book? And I was like, huh. Uh, do I have the comic book that's included in this? And not every version has a comic included, and it's a stupid PS2 game. So they mention the comic on the back of the box. So you have to flip it over to see the promo, unlike on Xbox, where they'll flash it right up on the front. So I was like, okay, which comic is it? It's a Rise of the Silver Surfer comic, because Fantastic Four 2, um, Rise of the Silver Surfer movie was coming out, apparently. Don't worry, no one saw it, and it was awful, and uh, everyone would love to forget it. 
anyways, this comic was in there and I was like, oh man, I, I have it. And then I realized I have the wrong one in my box because after looking at several different copies, uh, for multiple consoles, there are two different versions of the stupid fucking comic put inside. There's like a fat short one with like black borders on the art. And then there's a tall skinny one. So the tall skinny one without black borders goes with your ghost riders. And then all the shorter fatter ones go with the your Xbox 360 ones, your PS3 one, uh, and uh, the PlayStation one. But for Rise of the Silver Surfer, not Ghost Rider. Um, because they put the same... That's what I meant to, I should have put that first. They put that same comic in with Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, Ghost Rider is only on the PS2. And uh, PSP, I think. Uh, so yeah, but it's not with the PSP, at least not in the ones I saw. Anyway, so I bought like five copies of the stupid game to just like be double checking all of this and look for minute differences because that's kind of idiot I am. Uh, yeah, that, that was great. Mini? Many comic differences, Johnny. Uh, look forward to the modern database video about this mini comic coming up in two weeks. <laughs> I hope that isn't a thing. Um, yeah, and then I bought uh, bought a couple other games. I'm like, I was looking. I'm like, what other games come with uh, comic books? Uh, did you know Tom and Jerry in War of the Whiskers on the PS2 has a comic book? Yeah, it does. Uh, it looks exactly like the manual. So that's a thing I bought because my copy didn't have it. And I bought, um, I keep mentioning this like on social media and like in our discord and stuff. Cause it's kind of funny. Anyways, Barnyard Blast Swine of the Night, uh, is a game on the DS and, um, yeah, it, uh, it's like a Halloween game and it's got a pig on it and he shoots a gun and his nickname is big balls. I'm, and it's like an homage to Castlevania. He also has a whip. His name, the, the, his lineage, his family name is Belmart. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really a strange thing and it's kind of collectible and uh, it was been on my list for a while, but I finally got it. Um, so that's what I bought. And then also like Stefan, uh, the Nintendo direct got me. They, they dropped that Castlevania advanced collection and I was on that real quick, uh, downloaded it. And I've been playing circle of the moon and it's so nice to play these games on a TV and not like have to hook up a bunch of different stupid stuff uh, like through my Game Boy Player or anything. I'm just like, yeah, I'll just go play it. And I'll play it in a way that makes Tyler cringe and want to die. Like I'll stretch I'll stretch the art so it fits the full screen so I don't have to look at black bars. Yeah, it's great. It's What's wonderful. wrong with you? <laughs> After this podcast, I'm getting ready to go play Diablo 2 uh, with the old graphics, which will have black bars in the side of the screen. And it's going to be great. You can stretch it probably if you go into the settings. I, I I'm not going to reveal if I actually do that, but I'm going to tell you I do that every time because I know it hurts your feelings. I I could probably go <laughs> through like your social media and find like an uh, some NES game you're playing on an LCD where it's stretched because I don't think you care that much. I don't care that much. Um, the uh, presentation is part of it, but uh, the fun of the game is the most important part to me, uh, and if it's not pixel perfect, that's fine. But I will let you know, Tyler, there is a pixel perfect version of the game that you can choose to play. Oh, oh so, like Circle of the Moon? Of all of them in Cas all the Castlevanias. There's four Castlevanias. The three GBA ones and then uh, Dracula X. And I don't know if they put the Super Nintendo one in there or if it's the Turbo Graphics one. I'll have to look. Oh, you're saying that in this compilation, you could play them with the shitty graphics. 
Yes. Well, I mean, they have, it's the same graphics they have, but you can stretch it or make it like four by three, or you can go, they've got a pixel perfect mode. So I'm just telling you that's in there and that's it. That's it. That's, uh, that's all I got. We probably put Edward to sleep with all our boring ass talk. Um, I'm just listening because I have no idea about any of that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Sorry. We didn't, didn't give you much chance to talk. We let you go first and then you just like have to listen to us, but I guess that's kind of what you do if you listen to this podcast. So it's fine. Um, all right. Uh, guys, anything else before we wrap this up? No resounding Mm -hmm. silence. Okay. Um, Edward, uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and then tell us again, just where, where we're going to watch the movie, what our opportunities are, where we can go see it and then where we can pay you for a physical copy. So go ahead. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, my Instagram is an anti-hero production with underscores between each word. Uh, I'm also an anti-hero on Twitter. Um, you can see the movie in person. If you live in California or you want to travel to California on October 5th, 9.30 p.m. It's part of the uh, Silicon Beach Film Festival happening the 1st through the 7th, but our screening is 9.30 p.m. on October 5th, and we'll have uh, 15 of 20 cast members there, uh, as well as people bringing some um, items like the Golden Wii and other things like that that you can take pictures with, etc. Um, if you aren't able to make it to that screening, we are able to um, show you the film for pretty much like no price at all uh streaming we're going to have it on Tubi. we're going to have it on amazon prime we're going to have it on plex uh and depending on where you are uh, located whether that's in a different country or whatever there should be a app where you can watch it for free if you just have like an amazon fire stick or roku or something like that it'll be on some free app where you can access it uh and then furthermore we're going to have a release uh, on DVD and Blu-ray, and that's going to happen sometime, we're hoping, in mid-November. And if you want any info uh, about the film and want to keep up with where it's going and what's happening, I would say the best place to look is the Facebook page, which is, if you just look up Rarity Retro Video Game Collecting in the Modern Era, uh, it is a group there, and we have updates and behind-the-scenes stuff and all that kind of stuff. But uh, thank you guys so much for having me again. Oh, thank you for, for joining us and uh, sharing, you know, your process of making this movie and some of the cool stories that uh, didn't make the cut. So uh, this will be a nice companion piece for uh, people who watch the movie. Thank you, man. Stefan, we haven't heard from you in a long time. Where where can we still find you? Do you exist? And did you do anything recently that people might want to watch as well? Yeah, so hey, uh, I best way to find me on most social is just to Google Art of Nintendo Power, but um, I am Art of Nintendo Power on YouTube. Um, I am Art of Nintendo Power with underscores um, on Instagram, and then on Twitter, I'm just at Art of NP. Um, most recent thing I did was at the uh, Megabit uh, Retro Gaming Convention in Simi Valley, California recently. I did have the debut showing of the Art of Nintendo Power exhibit. Um, it went really, really well. The reception was awesome. Uh, definitely scheduled some more shows. That uh, I think the one that I can talk about so far is the uh, I will be at the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo uh, next year. Um, I think that's, is it February, Johnny? I, I think that can't remember. Right. It's February? like, it's super retro game. I, I don't know her handle. She keeps changing February. her handles. Yeah, yeah. February yeah. 21st, I believe it is or something. 
Yeah, and that's that's yeah. so friend of the show. I, you'll Brooke, be at, you'll and, be at the uh, screening as well before oh. that, right? You'll be What's at that? the screening before that, right? I will, but I'm not going to have an exhibit there. I mean, you, you could. Um, you can uh, still get an autograph. That's true. Oh, if you want gross. me to sign stuff, I'll that sign. Walk like around with a Mario. Uh, no one ever show me a Stefan autograph. <laughs> Actually, do you should um, at me with all of them. That would kind of be hilariously uh, hilarious way to troll me. So, uh, so yeah, that, that went really, really well. Um, look forward to hearing more on uh, future exhibits of Art of Nintendo Power in the future. Um, there's, a, there's a video of that show, by the way, on my YouTube. It's the most recent YouTube uh, video on my, on my channel. So, yeah, go check that out. Uh, and that's Should me. Should you plug anybody who helped you with that? Uh, yeah, uh, Birdman Photos. Uh, if you, the, he's a, an amazing photographer that um, he does um, almost exclusively um, uh, videography and photography of art shows. Um, so that was awesome. Also, our uh, our overlord and master, uh, Cheap Cheap Games, <laughs> Chris Hong. That's Red um, the Game he, Shark. Uh, Red the, the Game Shark. Um, he uh, also did all the uh, the music for that video so thanks man that was awesome and uh tyler what about you where do we um, find default you? gen default gen i'm on video game sage and instagram and that's it and, i mean uh, i'm on hyper prices. also our our patreon which is a good time to bring it up so if you wish to join the show and submit collectors questions and hang out with a bunch of awesome people um who we name drop often on the show because uh they're super knowledgeable and uh hang out on our discord and help us and help bring you content for the show. You can do that by going to collect uh, patreon.com slash collectors quest and where you can join for as little as two or as much as $6 uh, a month, but don't spend any more than that, please. And again, I mentioned the whole household thing. If you uh, have multiple people in your household, just message me and I will get your secondary household member in. Uh, no, I don't want to double dip on anyone. Um, so yeah, you can join us there. You can ask questions, hang out on the Discord, and even get some bonus content when we do After Dark episodes, which happen from time to time. Anyways, you can find me on that place, uh, the Collector's Quest Discord, and I am Johnny underscore Ayuchi on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's the show. Hey, Edward, thanks again for coming on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to seeing the movie. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the screening. I hope it depends how, uh, if I can get a babysitter right now. Because right now my wife works. Because being a, a nurse in a hospital, uh, working night shift sucks uh, when you have a child. That's it for us, though. I bet. Um, Thank you, Ben. Yeah, no, i super looking forward to this. Uh, I'll like just getting a peek behind the curtains and everyone's video game. Like so many people just like spend hours looking at bad collections on YouTube. And now we're going to see some of the best and I'm excited. Plus you know, besides the narrative content uh, and, and the story that, that you're building there and all the info that we're going to get. Uh, I'm excited to see some of these awesome game rooms and uh, hear their calling stories. out the entire community's collections as bad what what just happened there <laughs> i said there's a lot of bad game room tours on youtube that people spend hours watching and this by comparison is going to be very good so if you're willing to spend the time like myself i'm calling myself out watching shitty ones uh go, this is a great one to go watch so do that was that fair 
I think you it's have fair. A, some objection. I still think you're calling people out, but yeah, sure, let's do uh, it. Who, I, calling room. who am I calling out? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. People who I have YouTube I, game room tours. Uh, yeah, there's Kelsey Lewin of the Video Game History yeah. Foundation has a game room tour. Johnny, you're I, saying it's awful. I didn't. She say has a that. bad collection. Man, Tyler, this is my new bad. T- you, you should hold, hold on. Bad you should be a political pundit with the way that you just create narratives the way you want. Uh, you're like these are four words I understand. I'll string them together and make a story instead of hearing and understanding that I said there are shitty ones that you spend time watching. You went. All game rooms are shitty, especially on YouTube, said Johnny Ayuchi, News at 11. Like, what the hell is happening? And isn't it funny how Johnny never states which side it, he would have allied with in World War II? I just think it's, uh... uh what are you trying to go here? What is this <laughs> thing a you're a political to pundit, Johnny. About World War II? I had to, I was trying to think of something political, but you were trying old to, enough that you were and, trying to think of something that represents your relative age. I get it. World War II exactly. is about where you, where you yeah. live, you old fuck. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, Tyler. Anyways, Edward, sorry. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for making this documentary for everyone to see. Everyone go check it out. Uh, if you have any questions, they, they, uh, I'm sure Edward uh, will gladly accept you reaching out to him, but uh, don't bombard him. Uh, please go see. No, you can bombard. And, you can bombard. Uh, he says bombard him. Hit him up with the questions, uh, guys. That's it for the show. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Bye. That is our show. We did it. There's an interview episode for the first time in a couple years. Are we gonna do another one in the next couple years? Probably not. But we look forward to everybody who sees this and sends us a message asking us to do a show with them, uh, we do look forward to probably politely declining. Edward is just a very, very special man. Thank you to 8-Bit, 8-Bit.Bandcamp.com. Don't go to 8-Bit Music. It's just 8-Bit, A-P-E-Bit.Bandcamp.com. Not like the monkey. I have been informed this should be in the erotic section. Apes are not monkeys. But apes are like monkeys. Thank you for the intro music. Thank you to the patrons. Richard, patron number one, Bowden, Canadian variant alert, alert, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jaxvik, high-end collector, Andrew Brim, 50 hertz is good enough for me, Andre. Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president. Video games were meant to be slabbed. Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta and Pocky and Rocky with Becky. Mint condition, Brian J. Mora. The strictly limited super rare Bruno. Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson. Chris SNK, too many NES accessories. <laughs> Chris SNK, too many NES accessories. Morozek, Johnny's GBA hookup, coffee with Mr. Saturn. Playing with power, Connor Strange. The last game you need for the set, Corey O'Brien, unpunched hang tab, Dustin Beagle. He has returned to judge this city, Eric Addison, man of Nintendo in the world of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, the actual Shinobi, just Sonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy Ferris, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados. Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, 
the degenerate Matt Fall. Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here! Funkoland employee platform agnostic Red! The game shark. The Famicom Box retro game enthusiast, vintage video game connoisseur who knows they're better than modern games, the fuzzy Sean, the gamer collective. The new craft who can beat Mega Man without the pause trick! Previously unknown variant Tim Walker from the internet! Todd Fisher can't put limits on collecting VG Collectaholic! The Millennium Will Joe! Jesus. Alright, and that's uh. That's all we're gonna be doing about that. Keeper of the Zelda variant, Zero X Def Code, getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't. All caps! What a 9.88 Benji, the actually rare bird dog gaming. <laughs> I like, actually lost my voice. That was a terrible idea. Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, still finding deals in 2021 somehow. Colton Murphy. How does someone still not have a nickname? David Green. No. A winner is him, David Green. Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show. Don Libby, the hero of time, actually understands the Zelda timeline. Jeff Pierce, he is error. Jeff Russell. Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk. Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection. Joe actually plays his games champ. Pity, video game art collector because video games are art. Justin Chichio, lateral movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael, posting in the Discord right now. Chiara Monti, Nick the Video Game Database Morgan, Homebrew Mastermind, Divertov, the other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games, Dungeon Master, Reed Stubenik, the Promoter, Retro RPG Podcast, High Definition 16-Bit Graphics, Stevie Lou, Tom Obscure Variant Chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, Andrew actually collecting N-Gage O, B-Nugs! B-Nugs! Chesno, all your base are belong to him, Colby, he is Sinistar, Corhagen does what Nintendo don't, Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The Modern Database, Danny Gomez. The Philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon. Collector of everything, including Atari. Kalen McAteer. Sam, Sega Mark III, Marks. And Sean, the video game Illuminati LaCroix. I need to drink some water or something, Jesus.